literally, a dog has been mayor of some small towns. Mm -hmm. Why couldn't it be this town? Make Vegas it this town. It. <laughs> Make dogs mayors again. Okay. MD, MDMA. MDMA. <laughs> Make that's dogs. A drug. <laughs> Make dogs mayors Man, again. That's a straight up <laughs> drug. Make dogs mayors again. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like reading anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the Hunter Script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And um, this week, our fun fact is what you would call Archie's new vigilante superhero. And um, going with Pure Heart the Powerful, which is his original superhero name, um, I would like to either call him... Oh, Jesus. Pure Heart the Poopyful or Poop Heart the Powerful. Uh, either way, I would like it to be a joke about poop, please. That really just sets the standard for this whole podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. that, that sums up the aficionados perfectly, yeah. which is, yeah, so we're gonna go for a poop joke. Yeah, just real lowballing it. Lowballing yeah. it big time. Yeah. But I think, uh, like, follow our lost pod for more intelligent thoughts. <laughs> yeah. But I just feel like Poop Heart the Powerful sounds better, but... I also, like, actually think that what Archie's doing is pretty noble, so I don't know how I feel about calling his heart poop. Anyway, yeah. it's it's a real, um, it's a real moral dilemma of mine that I'm gonna have to revisit later. <laughs> it's a real thinker. Yeah. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist. Saying 30 breaks me. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Appertania, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And, um, okay, so I have, like, a billion options for this. Okay. But my first one that I think I'm going to go with is The Other Other Black Hood. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good. I Th like that. Thank, thank you. <laughs> other, um, and other. then my second one, which was really more based on the pure heart, the powerful costume, which mm -hmm. unfortunately he doesn't fight crime in, Weird. was going to be Captain Underpants. Mm. So. And just, and it just inexplicably has a P on it? Absolutely. Okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> unfortunately he does not fight crime with his underpants outside of his pants so the other other black hood will have to do i don't know i do think it would be better if he did because then um he could throw dodger off his rhythm <laughs> <laughs> that's true you, you roll up to a man with your underpants on the outside of your pants he's gonna think twice hey who are you hi yes yeah, sam sam is uh like we said last episode if you missed it um sam is going to be joining us almost permanently on uh this podcast so yeah. we're probably gonna stop doing the whole hey welcome sam thing because it's i'm just here it, she's just here so just get used to it you're by it's not special anymore i'm sorry <laughs> uh my name is samantha coley i'm a 27 year old marketing coordinator from sunny pre-apocalyptic washington dc i'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at telltale tv i like over 40s otps and making playlists i'm on twitter at sam kcc where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses um if i was gonna rename archie's super or give archie a superhero name um it would be neighborhood watch just wait that's actually a good answer just <laughs> the neighborhood watch yeah that's kind of good the nw yeah, yeah. i kind of love it respect. thank you thank you i wasn't expecting like a real answer and then it was a real answer and i was like oh okay i um i was trying to say, think of something with red in it and then mm -hmm. i was like this isn't working it's and just a I red looked, circle i was like what's a synonym for vigilante neighborhood watch <laughs> the red circle but it's just archie but it's yeah. how he introduces archie. himself the red circle and he but just, it's just he just me. runs circles around dot. around bad guys <laughs> yeah I'm just a, I'm, I'm just a straight line now. Mm -hmm. No, he just he runs in circles around bad guys. I love it. Thank you. Isn't that kind of how the Flash works? 
Yeah. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 405 of Riverdale, Witness for the Prosecution. So Witness for the Prosecution is a 1957 American film. The film, which has film noir elements, depicts an English courtroom drama set in the Old Bailey in London. The picture is based on the play of the same name by Agatha Christie and deals with the trial of a man accused of murder. The film received positive reviews. Shout out to my girl Agatha Christie. Yeah, she probably did a better job (laughs) than this episode. I mean, that's tea. Yeah. Agatha Christie's gonna yeah. do a better job of against Riverdale yeah. every time. I mean, that's I just, just... want to say, like, for the record, so much of my knowledge of Agatha Christie comes from that one B episode of Doctor Who. Mm. But I feel like that's still got the essence of Agatha Christie. Sure. sure. You know? Okay. There were just giant bees, too. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I read, um, and then there were none in high school, and it's it's very good. I've well, seen Murder on the Orient Express. How was it? Um, it's alright. It's kind of... To be honest, that's the new one, just for the record. The new right? one I'm talking about, yeah. I think it's a movie that you should see. Okay. Once. All right. And then after that, you're kind of like, well, I feel like the, I feel like the, the mystery gets, yeah. You don't, sometimes mystery movies are very hard to rewatch because you know yeah. what's coming. Like maybe watch it twice just so you can see like all of the foreshadowing of like who the actual murderer was or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but past that, it's kind of just like a, okay, well now I know. Okay. You know? Yeah. It was good, though. I imagine Adam Jr. was in it. I imagine the book is better than the... Yeah, probably. I bought the book. I haven't read it yet, but I bought it. So, uh, Brittany, toot or boot? Um, honestly, for me, this is a new... It's not a bad episode. Yeah. But I was like, okay, it was just an episode. It was Mm -hmm. an episode of television. Yeah. Yeah, I said in my review at Telltale that this is just... There's nothing wrong with this episode, per se, but it's also... Like, it's not bad, but it's not good mm-hmm. either. It's just there. I, yeah. It just happened. I, um, I found it pretty disappointing after last week's episode. Yeah. I know that, like, I think we said this in season three as well, but, like, after Midnight Club, I, I'm, like, you know, how do you live up to the previous episode that you did, which was really, yeah. really good, you know? So, ultimately, this episode wasn't going to be as good as that episode. Yeah. But they could, it could have been better. I would say that there was only really one storyline that I actually, like, actively enjoyed. I was, like, waiting for those scenes. Well, for all of us, we each have storylines that we prefer over the others. We yeah. each have very different opinions about the storylines in this episode. So that'll be fun to it's talk gonna about. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, but before we get started there, um, I have some thoughts from listeners. We love our listeners. It's so fun. They always have good thoughts. So, um, our friend Joanna, who is at Veridissima, we always are talking about her, um, she brought up the theory that Jughead's grandpa was one of the Stonewall Four, which completely makes sense because Mr. Chippinghead said they just dropped out, and then, like, FP had already said that he had dropped out, but, like, now Jughead's doing all of this research on the Stonewall Four and not even talking about how his grandpa could have been one of them, so now I'm like, okay, y'all just walked past that opportunity, I guess? Like, I mean, I guess he didn't- well, it's hard- because on the surface, it, it this theory makes a lot of sense, but also Jughead's grandfather did stick around Riverdale at yeah. least long enough to have had a kid and then abused him for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I guess technically he didn't disappear yeah. until he was an adult. So I yeah. don't know. It's just that uh, Mr. Chipping made it sound like dropping out was such a rare thing a rare thing that like anybody who dropped out must have been one of the stonewall four like in my mind yeah Yeah, i get that that makes sense i thought that was kind of weird other thing is that sam you pointed out something really cool while we were doing our rewatch on tv co do you want to talk about that which one the phone thing or the the phone thing okay so when uh jughead gets out of the coffin in the halloween 
episode, he, Mr. Chipping is the one that helps him out. And then the, the other four students who trapped him in there come in and they're like chatting. Mr. Chipping pulls Jughead's cell phone out of his breast pocket um, to give it back to him, which is like if Jughead's phone had just like been on the floor next to him, he would have like just picked it up and held it. Or if Jughead's like, where where did he find Jughead's phone? And did he take it? Was he in on it? What, what's going on here? Yeah, uh, definitely not something I noticed the first time I watched it. Even the second time I watched it when I was doing my notes, you know, you're looking at Jughead for that moment. So like, that was a really important like little detail that I think is going to come up in the foreshadowing, like it will be foreshadowing later. So I think that's cool, and I'm glad that you caught that. Um, we also got a tweet from Nadine, who is Nadine underscore sardines, who Brittany knows personally. I mean, I kind of do too, but you know her better. Uh, yeah, she's my sister's best friend. Yeah. Yeah. She was tweeting us about uh, her thoughts of last week's episode, and one of the things that she had mentioned was that Charles tapped the home phone. Yes. Not Betty's cell phone. And so I thought, oh, maybe Charles had just bugged Betty's like living room and that's why he could hear Betty talking at the end of the episode but he genuinely also hears Jughead which means that he's tapped Betty's cell phone but we don't know how yeah I think we're just supposed to go with it just yeah. go with it okay sure we also got a DM from another Joanna who is at pizza wit Joe um hey I'm a fan of your Riverdale podcast thanks for listening appreciate uh, I wanted to point out a very small connection I made in the Halloween episode involving Veronica's storyline, just in case you two were interested. I'm not saying this is an actual reference, because Veronica's story ended up vastly different, but I noticed it was a bit similar to the Riverdale comic they gave out for Free Comic Book Day 2018. The comic was basically the origin story to Pops selling burgers. In short, a guy who ends up being the devil walks into Pops, which is empty other than Pop. He was out driving all night and asks Pop for a burger, and Pop cooks one for him. It ends with this guy saving Pop's business and Pop changing his menu to what it is now. The exchange is that Pop serves him a burger every winter solstice. Anyway, this just reminded me a little of the start to Veronica's diner storyline last week. Even though it likely means nothing, just thought maybe you'd find it interesting. Thanks for the great podcast every week. I actually That's read so the- nice. Yes, thank you very much. I actually read the same comic, and I was wondering why it was so familiar, so I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think that is deeply interesting, and I found that the um, that there's a lot of things that the comics, like the Riverdale comics, take from the show, but I haven't seen like a whole lot that the show actually takes from the comics, so I think that's really cool. Yes. 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 Also, if you guys remember that there was a Riverdale book, it was like a prequel novel, and I read it, and I like came out and told you all of the things that I thought were of importance from it. Does anyone, does anyone remember this? No. Remember when I read the prequel novel? Oh, yeah, 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 And then I, like, wrote down all the things that I thought were of note, and Mm -hmm. then I came out onto the podcast and basically was like, here are all the things that I thought were of note. These are things that we can maybe bring into canon or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they've now put out, like, two or three more, well, one or two more prequel novels. Um, I will not be reading them because I didn't like the first one that much, (laughs) so I just wanted everybody to know that. Thanks. Uh, We also got an email from Leah, who emailed us at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com, so if you guys have... Uh, long form thoughts like Leah did, feel free to email us. This is what uh, Leah sent us. I think the scary movie reference in Cheryl and Tony's storyline this past week is also actually to the movie The Boy. Oh, also, by the way, this email does include spoilers to this horror movie, which is called The Boy. Just so y'all know. In a gross oversimplification, a woman who lost her own child, I think, ends up being the caretaker of this one family's child, which turns out to be a doll. There are also very weird rules she has to follow while taking care of the doll. If taking care of a doll that is a representation of this family's dead son isn't already weird, like making meals and feeding it, 
and then putting the uneaten food in the freezer as leftovers. Anyways, the doll starts doing strange things like moving and talking, etc. Long story short, the doll isn't actually real, but spoilers, it's someone in the walls of the house and is the one manipulating everything with this boy. The man behind the wall finally reveals himself in the end and has fallen creepily in love with the babysitter slash nanny. I wonder if Jason or Julian is in the walls of Thistle House. Yeah. Because they didn't live in Thistle House until Cheryl burned down Thornhill, Jason or Julian could have found refuge there and was forced into hiding. And Nana Rose did make a reference to the triplets in the fire. Not sure. I don't know motive at all. But this may be how they explain the doll moving, or Jason moving, or all the weird noises they hear at night. Also, there was way too much intentional Jason talk to not be brought back into the story in one way or another. Lastly, my thoughts on Mr. Honey. He seems to be trying to divide, isolate, and conquer the kids at school. I think, interestingly, Betty is the only one he hasn't approached. Not sure why. I also think Shady Acres, or whatever the place is called, what is it? Shady Acres? No. Shady Bay. Shady Grove! Shady, Shady Grove. Grove. <laughs> or whatever the place is called is supposed to be like Arkham Asylum in DC Comics. Like the one in Joker, in particular, more than like the sisters. Not sure if that matters whatsoever. Probably not. Thank you, Leah. Um, I have Cheryl thoughts, but Cheryl wasn't in the episode. Mm, yeah. So I guess this is our opportunity to talk about Cheryl. I think that this is really interesting. The guy who plays Jason, we all know we have literally never heard him speak. Like that's the whole thing about Jason. I know that like in that poster, we saw Cheryl also playing Julian, kind of. You know what I mean? Yes. But if it's a boy, like what if we finally hear Jason talk, but it's because he's not playing Jason. It's because he's playing Julian. I, no. No? No. Because why like... would he be in all white in that one image? That's because that's when he is Jason. Jason. Okay. But I don't ever want to hear that actor speak. I don't want to hear him speak either, but he keeps, and I know that he's in next episode because we saw him in the trailer, but he keeps tweeting being like, this episode of Riverdale, and I'm like, listen, I appreciate you, and I respect the fact that you get to still be in this show, but like, why are you here? Like, Jason was the storyline for season but one. But he's the catalyst for the whole show. Of course he's still here. I guess. I don't know. It's just like, you gotta lay something to rest, Cheryl. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they tried to, uh... Lay Jason to rest. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. We also had uh, a couple theories from our friend Mandy, but those are about this episode, so we're going to be talking about those when we get there. Okay. Okay. Are uh, you guys ready to get started? Um. So we're going to start with Archie. Brittany, you did Archie, right? Yes. So here's what happened with Archie in this episode. <laughs> I like this plotline, but... Uh... Robin has a good point about it, so we're going to talk about this after. Okay. Archie hits at the docks to find some crime to fight, and he stops a guy from stealing a woman's purse, and she maces him. That's what you get for wearing an actual black hood, you idiot. <laughs> Archie and Monroe discover that the local businesses hate the center and their kids. He comes across his kids trying to steal hubcaps and confronts the whole group the next day. He and Monroe make the kids pick between Dodger's crew and the community center because otherwise the center will get shut down. Toby and his bro pick Dodger. Shady. Effie tells Archie that the local businesses are accusing his kids of petty crimes even though Archie knows it's not them. Effie suggests hosting a clam bake? <laughs> Archie goes for a press conference instead. He's going to extend the community center hours and be there even more and the locals can come help the kids or keep quiet. Basically put up or shut up. One of the business owners privately reveals to Archie that they want to support him but Dodger is threatening them all to not protect their stores anymore. Archie rolls up to Dodger and threatens him with his cool guy hood on. And that's it. That's what happened with Archie. Does Archie sleep, y'all? If he's gonna have the gym Samantha. open until 11 and he has to go to school from like 7 to 3. Samantha, my first note in the storyline is let Archie sleep. <laughs> he always does this. Like in season 2 when Fred was attacked, he's like, guess I'll just sit here. Right. And then like in what I, like he's still season two potentially he's like I, I've i started a, I'm gonna go do vandalism in the middle of the night I'm like just let him sleep so like he's gonna he's gotta go to school from like regular school hours and then after school he's at the 
at the El Royale until 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then he's fighting crime until like what four in the morning and then he sleeps for three hours and goes to school again uh, i guess so miserable i um i will say before i start talking about this is i like this better than previous seasons mm-hmm. but i do feel like this is just archie versus gang again i agree yeah that's the thing where i was like oh crap it's like Archie plus kid versus gang. And now it's also like Archie versus gang plus kid. Yep. You know, it's like Ricky was with Archie, but then it turned out that Ricky was actually with the, not ghoulies, the gargoyles. So it's like, what happened to all of them? Kurtz died. Yeah, but like, where are the ghoulies? The ghoulies were in jail. And they're just going to stay there now? We don't really know where Penny is. Like, she got her, Gladys cut her hand off or something? What did she cut her? I thought it was her arm or something. Uh, I don't remember. It's unclear. There's a lot of things that happened. Malachi just like, um, dropped off the face of the earth, uh, after the beginning of last season. Oh, wait. Part of like Kurtz's whole thing at the end of last season was like Gladys had to fight Penny and she like defeated Penny or something. Anyway, it, it's just like the Penny same thing. Penny like limped away, but did she just take her whole gang with her? I guess. So we never are going to hear about the ghoulies again. We will probably hear about the ghoulies again, but I mostly I'm just like, listen, Dodger and his crew, I don't care about you. I care about the serpents. I want to hear more about the serpents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where's Sweet Pea? <laughs> I don't care if they tell me that he was in with the farm with Fangs the whole time. Like at this point, just tell me where he is. Right. You know, I don't care where he was. Just tell me where he is and that you like still care. Cause he's like, I don't even remember the last time we saw him. Anyway, protect my son. So let Archie sleep. Also the alley is called Sketch Alley. Thanks. Yep. Okay. Like, See, okay, like no, you, you know why I paused? Because I wanted to be a Harry Potter thing where it was like, ooh, does that actually make like a word? No, it doesn't. Sketchily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, ooh, is it like nocturnally where it's yeah. nocturnally? Mm-hmm. Um, did this lady get her purse back or? What's wrong with him? I just didn't, I didn't realize that that was, that was And thing. you know Diagon, right? Diagonally? Yeah. It's diagonally. Yeah. But. But you didn't know about nocturnally? Yeah. Nocturnally. I just, I just didn't, didn't ever put that together. Interesting. Did that lady ever get her purse back? I doubt it. Seems like she just gave it to her. I Archie. thought she took it. Oh, maybe she did. I, oh, she I probably, she, ran away she probably it. picked it up after she sprayed Archie in well, the Archie face. Well, Archie was, tr- Archie picked it up and tried to give it back to her and then she sprayed him in the face. So it wasn't clear to me oh. whether or not she just like left it and was like, good, I'm safe. No, nah, because like, if she left it, part of his plotline would have been returning it to her. Yeah, yeah, true. That's true. Okay. So we get Toby, who's another random kid. Like, literally, it feels like in three episodes in a row, we had Malcolmore, then we had Eddie, now we have Toby. Like, just pick a kid. <laughs> you so nearly said Macklemore. I tried to say Macklemore, but I tried to also make it sound like Malcolm, so I had to go Malcolmore. Okay, so my theory is that we're going to get a different kid each episode. That's annoying, and yeah. I don't really like that. Why? Because just pick a kid. I don't care about each of the... Like, at this point, I care about Eddie. So just make it Eddie then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's in the hospital now, but, like, whatever. Like, I can't, I don't like Toby. I want more of Monroe's brother. I don't dislike Toby. Wait, what's Monroe's brother's name? Macklemore? Oh, right. Okay, Macklemore. <laughs> but I do want more of him because I feel like emotionally, he is the most impactful. Totally. That's why I, That's why I was like, hello? Why aren't we just like, following Malcolm's him? right there. The whole time. Why aren't we just following him the whole, oh, the whole season? I just think it's weird that he's choosing a random kid every single time. I don't know. I mean, it is weird, but at the same time, I think it gives a broad agent of how many kids need help yeah you know what I, guess, I mean that's fair i just like if you keep giving me new ones like i have no time to care like you know what i mean yeah. like 
have I you can't emotionally connect with these kids because you only see them for one episode. I'm not invested in anybody. Like if at the end of the season you're trying to give me some other new like brand new random kid and he gets hurt and it's supposed to be this huge thing for Archie, it's like I don't care about that kid. I literally just met him. Exactly. Like at some point, like maybe halfway through the season, they're gonna need to choose a kid. Maybe maybe we're just waiting for like the like perfect kid, you know? Yeah. Like all of this is leading to like the one kid that needs the most help. Yeah. And Archie's gonna find that kid. And I hope it turns out to be Malcolm or whatever. You know? The guy who owns the convenience store sucks. Agreed. My thing is The guy who owns the convenience okay, no, store, my- the guy who owns a comic book shop. Yeah. You're a bunch of cowards. I thought that he just Tried to buy the comic from the convenience store. What? Yeah, he was just trying to buy a comic. They're not. They're not two different stores. It didn't. No, seem it's like the same it store. I thought there were two different men. Yeah, there's the one guy who's the jerk, and then there's the guy at the end who owns the hardware store who oh. tells him about Dodger. I didn't think you could buy comics at a convenience store. Yeah, you can. Well, Archie comics. Where do you think Archie comics? That's where I from? bought my Archie comics. I didn't get out much. Why am I being attacked? Okay, we're not attacking you. We're just telling you the facts. Well, where did you buy Archie comics? She didn't buy it. She wasn't. She didn't I, do Archie Comics. I didn't Comics. do that. Oh, we. I always got them in the line at the grocery store. Yep. My mom. I'd always con my mom into getting the Archie Comics. Or like I. I. I always read the super um old ones because. I would, my grandma would just give me the old ones that my parents read. So I always read the really old ones. Yeah, I had like, I had some of my mom's old ones and then I would always buy new ones from, well, not always, like once a month. My mom would get like one from the grocery store, but I always waited for the double digest. Yep. Because then you got the most bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Or like, they'd be like, or the ones where that were like just about one character. Like they'd be like, here's a giant, giant book of Jughead. And I'd be like, thank you. I always waited for the Betty and Veronica double digest. Mm. Because those were always my favorite because they were always just about the girls. Yeah. And not about like anyone else. Mm-hmm. This makes so much sense about who you both are as people. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Robin's favorite was Jughead, the ace. And yours was Betty and Veronica. And, and, and you like girls. Oh, yeah. I liked Jughead's because it wasn't about romance right which makes sense yeah and you anyway. like <laughs> stories about girls because multiple reasons okay yeah that uh, yeah that did inform much of our lives yeah anyway uh that guy sucks yeah agreed he speaks so like like kind of like the way brett talks about them you know yeah oh i have so many thoughts hang on about the man yeah hang, hang i just think he sucks I, yeah, okay, that's the thing, is, like, so this is my question. Is he secretly one of the owners who supports Archie, but has to put up a front? It didn't seem like how it, like, like, if that were true, like, the hardware guy is doing the very least that he has to do, you know what I mean? He's being, like, okay, I have to, for like, do a complaint. I guess I'll complain this, right? But that guy's, like, showing up being, like, you guys suck, this is a halfway house, I don't want to see your random children, you know? yeah. That guy seems like he just full-on sucks. Like, I I see where you're going with that, but he's- the way he, like, treats the kids like they're, like, scummy. Yeah. And it's like, hello, sir, this is a 14-year-old boy. Can you relax, maybe? (laughs) Yeah. It makes me think he just sucks. Shout out to the hardware store owner guy who is the only one who's willing to stand up and actually tell Archie what's going on. Okay, but, like, at the same time, it kind of, like, bummed me out because I was like- I wish more of them had gone, you know, like not just the one hardware store, but like, I wish they all kind of were like, Hey, what if we all worked together? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, instead of like doing it like individually. Yeah. So I don't know. That was like, but I do appreciate, you know, 
someone who's willing to do it. Um, I also want to say I love how friggin' aggressive Archie was in that press conference. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the confidence was earned. I thought it was genuinely so funny when he was like, go ahead, try and sue me. My mom's a great lawyer. And if you want to call the police, go ahead, because uh, the sheriff is my best friend's dad. Right. Was- I have all the connections. <laughs> He was just like, I'm trying to be really nice and, and run a really nice gym here, but also um, I have lawyers and cops in my pocket, so f*** you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I like how um, he was like, how much is the comic? He's like, $4.99. And Archie's like, here's a fiver. And Monroe goes, keep the change. And they're like, oops. I'm like, what if Archie wanted that penny? You're not the one who paid for it. But, yeah. Because in America, they still use pennies. They sure do. <laughs> also, four ninety nine. Kind of pricey. That's kind of pricey. Oh, it's a little steep for a single issue. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, I don't think this matters at all, but when the Black Hood was like, I- I'm thinking specifically in the Christmas episode of season two, when the Black Hood was like literally like there and like speaking in that deep, deep voice. Yeah. And I was like, does he have like some sort of vocoder that's like inside of his too. mask or like, something. KJ dropped it so low. But the thing is that there's no way that's KJ's actual voice because yelling, like, there, maybe when he's speaking, he can speak that low, but you can't yell, you can't yell like that. But I thought it sounded like KJ. Maybe oh, they, it definitely sounds like KJ. So did they just, like, pitch it low and post? Yeah, they're, okay. like, they're trying to get us to believe that it's just Archie speaking lower. So I think what they're trying to do is get us to believe that KJ or Archie is just, like, lowering his voice yeah. to speak. I, b- but, I bought it. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, like, you can't sustain that through a yell. So I just don't think that's what's happening. Okay. Uh, I, it literally does not matter. It's not a plot point. I just wanted to mention it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Toby has a gun. Dodger. I guess. Dodger. To a kid. It's like, you just shot, he, like, shot Eddie, and now he's like, let's just hand a gun to one of Eddie's buds, I guess. Which is, like, crazy, because it's like, these guys are no better than the ghoulies. Like, they're, they are kids as well. Mm-hmm. But, like, the thing that I'm interested in is, like, is Dodger going to be the big bag- bad of, like, Archie's season? Or is this kind of just going to be, like, a first half thing? Yeah, I definitely... He doesn't feel permanent. No, I, don't, I, I agree. He's definitely going to die in some fantastic way, though. We all know who Archie's permanent villain is. Hiram? His name is Hiram. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I hope the Archie Hiram thing never comes back. Mm. Because I've never hated a plotline more other than Veronica versus Hiram. Yeah. I disagree. What? Because I think it's way more interesting than whatever's going on with both Hiram now and um, Dodger. Like, Hiram is like, I hate him so much, but he's a bad guy that I can at least, like, you know, like, enjoy hating. Dodger's just, like, low-hanging fruit, man. I agree, I think. I... I love to hate Hiram. I think Hiram's a really interesting character. I wouldn't want to say goodbye to Hiram, but it seems like every storyline he gets, I'm like, I don't care about this. You know, like his storylines about Archie, I'm like, I don't care about Hiram versus Archie. They're like, yeah, he's with Veronica. I don't care about Hiram versus Veronica. Like I only care about Hiram when he's with the other parents. That's when we got, that's just great, Fred. And that's why I'm kind of, like, both excited and scared for next week because we saw Hermione and Hiram together in the trailer. Yeah. And it's like, if if they integrated Hiram back in with the other parents and with the overall show, I would enjoy it more. But because so much of this show gets swallowed up by Hiram, mm-hmm. I'm getting really frustrated. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I Because a lot of the other characters are getting shortchanged so that Hiram can have his diva moment. Yeah. Particularly Veronica. Mm-hmm. Veronica, Alice, FP. Uh-huh. Fred? Mm-hmm. Fred was so brutally shortchanged last season that we 
barely saw him. Yeah. He didn't That's have tea. a plot. He was going to run for mayor, and then he didn't get to run for mayor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. It. Meanwhile, Hiram had this whole meandering, like, prison stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, listen, maybe some people enjoy this. And that's fine. Yeah. I don't. I don't like it. And I'm sick of it. But I think Mark Consuelos is a hell of an actor. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's He's so so fun. He's fantastic. He's he's fun. Like, the problem is that I hate Hiram, but I love watching Mark Consuelos chew the scenery. Yeah. I like how FP also calls Archie Red. I agree. It's wholesome. Which I was right about because I literally was like quoting fp saying something and then i was like i think he calls him red also and uh yeah i'm just a genius thanks it's really (laughs) cute so he's getting false claims against the center and hiram basically i mean fp basically says that the serpents used to host barbecues yep which i think is really cute i I think you'll find that he said clam bake I don't know what that is. Uh, it's a barbecue, but with clams. What is a clam bake? It's like a fish fry. Like, you bake clams, and then you, like, boil a whole bunch of, like, seafood and potatoes and... So it's a seafood barbecue, barbecue, basically. And you, like, toss it out on a table, and then you eat it. It's great. What do you mean? What do you mean? You toss it out on the table? Like you lay the table, like lay newspaper all over the table. <gasps> you eat right off the table? Yeah, you lay newspaper on the table, and you put all the like seafood and stuff, and then you're like, "This is a lobster. I will crack it open and eat it." Thank God we have a southerner here to explain these things to yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a barbecue sounds um even more adorable though. Yeah, just because that's what. Like, I never went to a clam bake. I just know what they are from existing on the East Coast, I think. Mm-hmm. So they're at the press conference, and he says that I run this center with my boy, Monroe. He specifically says that they run it together. together. And it's real romantic. Oh, that was one thing. Can we just talk about it now since yeah. we're already here? Yeah. That was one thing that I noticed in the trailer is that Monroe is still in class. Yes. When, or the um, flash forward. You in mean? the flash forward. Yes. Which means that we get to keep Monroe until at least the whole job thing goes down yes and i love him so much me too and also his um it it was biology class which means that they are in their like partners for biology class and monroe's biology partner is reggie okay that means that they that means they they made up in their friendship now yes you know what i think they both do need a friend like each other yeah because they both like seen some stuff and been through some stuff and maybe Mm -hmm. they can like really support and help each other out yeah i want eli gory to be a regular but I kind of like the way they're doing it now where they're slowly integrating him in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, my first thought when I watched this was, like, why is Reggie here? And then we learned that they are doing a Big Brothers, Big Sisters thing with the Bulldogs and the Vixens, which is very cool, except please no one shadow with Cheryl. Yeah, no. Don't do that. That's not good. But uh, everybody else is fine. I Honestly, well, Reggie needs somebody to mm, mentor at that this That would be point. wholesome. That would be good for him, I feel. I think I think Cheryl and Betty both need to go to therapy before they mentor anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hardware store, I guess, is on Drury Drury Lane. Drury Lane. That was so funny. Uh, and then he just says that Dodger's been extorting them, and uh, I have thoughts about this for the next uh, storyline. Okay, should we move on? Yes. Great. So now it's time for Veronica, which I did the survey. Survey. I did the um 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 summary for. Here we go. Veronica is visiting Hermione in prison with Mary, who is Hermione's lawyer. Veronica is trying to help her mom, even though she specifically said that she didn't support either of her parents. I don't know. There's just a lot of legal stuff going on that really isn't that interesting. T. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to link Hermione to Tallboy, who they are saying shot Hiram. This would all be fine if she hadn't murdered Manetta, which is still confusing. Pop reveals to Veronica that he's being subpoenaed because of all of the book cookings that they both did. Veronica offers to testify that she was being extorted, which is true. In court, FP is testifying against Hiram, but it's revealed that Hermione owns the cabin. I'm not even sure why the cabin is relevant. I thought that Hiram was shot at the Pembroke. Who are we even talking about now? Still tall boy, Minetta. 
Anyway, now they're all kind of screwed. Veronica decides to blackmail Governor Dooley one last time so that if Hermione pleads guilty, she'll be pardoned and everything will be fine. Back in court, she changes her plea and some random shady lady leaves the room. Later at Le Bon Nuit, Veronica is celebrating, serving the shady lady, who reveals herself as a private investigator for Hiram. She has evidence that Veronica's been working with the federal prosecutor, and also she's Veronica's half-sister. Hiram is free, and with his daughter Hermosa by his side, tells the media that he's planning on running for mayor. <laughs> Oh this boy. was my least favorite storyline. I was like, I was kind of intrigued when um, Ronnie and Hermosa, which, what is that mean? It means beautiful. I it know mean, it does. Yeah, it just means beautiful. Why? Okay. I mean. It's just not creative. Like, do better, Riverdale. Well, no, my thing is like, you know what? I guess we do do that in English as well. So like, who, who the hell am I to judge? But I was intrigued when they went head to head and then they immediately- Sorry, who do you mean? Who oh, who sorry, uh, Veronica and um, Hermosa. Okay. I was intrigued when they went head to head and then they wrapped up that storyline by saying he's running for mayor and I was like, I'm out. Yeah. I have no interest in this. I hate this. I was interested in the plot to get Hermione out of jail mm -hmm. uh, and nothing else. Yep. I was so confused by almost everything because it was so unclear as to like what they were talking about, why it was relevant, when Tallboy died in the eyes of the law, who killed Tallboy, who was the sheriff when Tallboy died. It was it like, I had just had so many questions and it was all really confusing. I... I really disliked the, like this, I don't think I ever said it was, if it was a Tudor boot for me actually, but um, like this, I really enjoyed Jughead's storyline. That's the storyline that I was a really big fan of this uh, episode and Jughead's storyline, in my opinion, saves this episode from being a boot, like almost specifically for this storyline because it was way too confusing. This storyline was just like, the thing is, it wasn't even the legalese that made it confusing. Mm -hmm. It's that... One, they didn't properly explain the legalese. And two, I don't think that's how any of this works. And like, I feel like the Riverdale writers have woven so many lies within the town that even they can't keep them straight. So now we're just like, huh? And it's like, oh, okay, I guess. Um, I, I didn't dislike this storyline just because I, I enjoyed like the Hermione and Mary stuff and working with Veronica. Um, but I do feel like Veronica is still not in the driver's seat of her own story. She is a prop in everybody else's, mm -hmm. which I find annoying. Yeah. I, the, the thing is that, like, I don't usually find courtroom stuff, like, confusing. I've watched many a courtroom drama, and I've never really, like, I understand what happens in it, which is, like, why it's so annoying that, like, exactly. this doesn't make any sense. Exactly, because they're doing stuff at, like, the federal level, the state level, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what? Never once in my entire time watching stuff like private practice or law and order, was it ever this incomprehensible? I, uh, yeah. And I watched a lot of crime shows in my teens. I so know. Like, I get this. I know that Veronica's storyline is morphing in different ways, but it feels like it's just morphing in a circle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not going anywhere, which is disappointing because I love Veronica. Well, honestly, that's what I feel about all of them right now, mm. except for maybe Jughead. Yeah. Like in my review, I just talked about how- Where can we find your review? My review Ooh. at telltaletv.com. Oh, okay. Which uh, the day that we're recording is our fifth anniversary. Wow, so Happy birthday, so Telltale. Yeah. But I was just like, Betty, Veronica, and Archie's stories are all ones that we've seen them go through before. Mm -hmm. Which like, if it was something that they, if it was a situation where they were growing from the past, 
I would be like, fantastic. This is exactly how you, you tell stories about people's lives because that's what happens. You, you grow from the things that happen to you. But they're just repeating the same things over again and some in better ways and some in worse ways. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, do something different. Do a trick, yeah. please. Do a trick. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm at this point, it's got to be what, when did Hiram start the whole Hiram going to prison thing start last season? It started in season one when he was in jail. Yeah, he was oh in jail in season one. Oh my god, I forgot he was in jail in season one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those were the days. Like, it's just, it's been so long of this crap. And I'm just like, I'm like, please, for the love of God, do something else. Make, if you're going to make Hiram the villain, do something else. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if you're going to make Hiram one of the parents of Parentdale, redeem him. But of yeah. course, you can't, right? No. Because he literally was talking about, like, abusing Veronica. But, like, with this show, they'll do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do, yeah, like what Sam said, do something. Do a trick. That's why it was confusing, because he was on his way to redemption when he, like, with when Archie. he gifted, he gifted Archie the community center, or, like, yes! the, the boxing gym. He was on his way to redemption, and then they took it away again, so I'm confused. But, um, can I talk to you about Hiram? Oh my god, please do. Uh, so I listened to this other podcast from Wondery. It's called Imagined Life. And basically what happens in it is that they take you through second-person storytelling through somebody's life, and then only at the end do they tell you who you were, and it's, like, a celebrity or, like, a well-known person. And there was a... The, the day that we're recording this, there was a brand-new episode. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. And so I was listening to it while I was walking this morning, and... From the very beginning to the very end, I thought, this is just Hiram's story. Yeah. Like, it's like, grew up, not very much money. Then built your empire, start, like, was in a gang. Even, like, the stuff about um, uh, charging people protection money. Like, it seems like a lot of Hiram's story was taken from this actual person's mm-hmm. Life. Yeah. So started uh, in poverty, then grew an empire, became a millionaire with like factories and owning like all of these things and then um ran for congress like now he's running for mayor and i'm like hello so this person it runs for congress I'm, like, trying to guess who this yeah. person is do you know who it is <laughs> yeah, yeah i told, told me this morning runs for congress then it starts being like this one person is trying to take them out because obviously they're like a bad person so the and you're confused because you're playing the you're like being the person so yeah, you're, like, you're like oh i'm you're a bad like, person you're like please don't don't like attack me this guy must suck but then you realize you're the person who sucks yeah but okay so then like the one of the people who is in government tries to get you out of the government and so then you get someone to assassinate them and then the president is like coming at you and like everything is bad right and at some point it's revealed that this isn't like an american person this person's from south america Right? Who is this? Oh, yeah. I know who this is. And then this person goes to jail and they built the jail themselves so they're having a nice time in jail. And then, I mean, they passed they passed away. Who is it? Pablo Escobar. Oh! Oh, that makes perfect sense. So Hiram is just Pablo Escobar and I was listening to it and I was like, yeah, and now he's running for mayor. Do you think Hiram's favorite favorite show was Narcos? <laughs> like. Breaking Bad. Like. Like, he, real thi- he, he thinks he's really popping off here. There's just a lot. Yeah. Going on there. I was listening to it and I was like, this is just Hiram. Like, I genuinely think that they took something. Probably. Like, 
Literally. I mean, this show does, t- like, make very blatant homages to a whole bunch of other stuff mm-hmm. constantly. So, yeah. like, why wouldn't they... Like, Pablo Escobar is a very famous story, right? Yeah. So, that would make sense. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, uh, to be honest, a lot of my notes in this storyline are just questions that I'm confused about. So, yeah. unlike some of our other podcasts in which we would try and make sense of them, we I can't. think we kind of just have to move past these. But if you guys yeah. have answers for me, that'd be great. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Um, wait, so they said that Tallboy shot Hiram, not FP? Yeah, no one exposed FP? Like, is FP... It doesn't seem like FP is perjuring himself. But he clearly is because he's the one that shot Hiram. I thought FP was talking about shooting Tallboy. But he didn't. So, okay, okay, stay with me. See how ridiculous this is? It's just dumb. Yeah, okay. And it makes my brain hurt. Hermione says that she never interacted with Tallboy. I don't see why that couldn't be true. So, okay. Um, Then they mentioned uh, instead of Gucci, they have Tucci, which is an homage to uh, of the Stanley variety, of course. I I do believe. We've decided, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought they found money in Mustang's apartment, not Tallboy's apartment. Yep. So then I went to the Riverdale wiki on Tallboy, and I found this paragraph. After being murdered, Tallboy's body is pushed under the bed as Joe. Okay, so, sorry. Let me go back. We thought that Tallboy had been killed by Minetta. Minetta was the sheriff, and they faked Tallboy's death. Like, Minetta said that he killed Tallboy, and we all believed it. Right. Then, later, it turned out, like, they killed Tallboy because he was a, he was pretending to be the second Black Hood. Yeah, I was gonna say, at some point, he In was pretending- two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Then, it turned out that he wasn't dead because he was pretending to be the Gargoyle King, and he's the one that killed Joaquin, which is why Fangs, they took him to Dilton's bunker, and Fangs shot Tallboy, and they hit him under the bed. I totally forgot. I, I forgot Tallboy is the same body that was in the bunker. Yeah. So... I'm confused because are we talking about when Tallboy was killed in the eyes of the law when Manetta killed Tallboy? Or when he actually died. Or when he actually died because that's supposed to not be on the books. FP, you were not the sheriff when Tallboy died. Died. Manetta was the sheriff. So I'm like, what are we even talking about here? And Manetta's dead. Manetta's dead. if this makes sense to anybody, can y'all just Please. explain it to us? Literally, we don't get it. We are, we are literally math meme right now. And I'm like, I don't understand it. And you know what? I don't want to understand it right now. Agreed. Like right this second, I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I'm good. So after being murdered, Tallboy's body is pushed under the bed as Jughead, Sweepy, and Fangs lie to FP about his whereabouts. The boys claim they drove Tallboy to a bus station at gunpoint and forced him out of town. But, but in the eyes of the law, Tallboy has already died. So none of this is actually happening. Like FP yeah. is sheriff at this point. But everybody thinks that Tallboy already died, so all of this is under the table, okay? Yeah. However, FP isn't buying it, considering Tallboy murdered Joaquin. However, the boys stick to their stories, and with FP's hands already full in search of Hiram's would-be assassin, he lets it go, at least for the time being. But FP's the one that shot Hiram, so FP is searching for himself? Okay, so, anyway. (laughs) Wait, so... Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna admit here real quick that I skipped like five episodes towards the end of season three. Like full on skipped? Yeah, I was miserable Mm -hmm. watching them because as a person whose favorite character is Alice Cooper, that was hard to watch. Mm -hmm. So I stopped until like the, from like 15 or 16 Mm -hmm. to the finale. Mm -hmm. So, and I watched the finale. Yeah. But there's like a a set Mm -hmm. of episodes right there towards the end that I have not seen. So you talking about uh, FP shooting Hiram, I'm like, that happened. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. Yep. Yep. So, so I thought FP shot Hiram. Have we heard about this before? Are we talking about the death of Tallboy that the police know about or when he was the Black Hood? FP was not the sheriff when Tallboy faked his death. Why is she... Like, I don't... Like, I, I have no answers. I don't know what we're talking about. Right. So, okay. So I guess moving on. 
why is Veronica siding with Hermione when she specifically said that she wasn't siding with either of her parents? That's my biggest question from this plotline. Like, the, the legally... Like, like, that was, like, two episodes like, ago. Whatever. The thing that I'm most concerned, like confused about is I thought Veronica wrote off both her parents mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I understand like being like oh it's my mom I have to do it but they don't have a scene like that no so Veronica's just inexplicably there supporting her mother and I'm like what do you understand that like your mother like kept you locked in an abusive household well I I guess I'm still a bit of a Hermione apologist no so am I but I want to understand would, Ronnie's reasons. I would be a Hermione apologist. Well, I would continue to be a Hermione apologist to this day if she hadn't inexplicably killed Minetta. That made no sense to yeah. me. I had no, no sense with her character. I didn't get it. I still don't understand it. And I, I have a hard time fitting that in with the person that I know. Okay, what do you think? Yeah. Well, see, Hermione, like, I agree about the Minetta thing. Like, that was very out of character. And yeah. I, I feel like during season two and three in particularly they just for like forgot who Hermione was yeah. and just decided to write whatever they felt like it yep and but see like my thing is for this particular instance at the very end of season three when they arrest Hermione mm -hmm. Veronica's like I'm, I'm gonna get you out like right. she's she's in, enraged that they're arresting her mom and she's very clearly on her mom's side and then the only moment we got where she was like, no, I'm on neither of their sides because I'm, I hate them both, is like the second episode this season. And that was what was really confusing for me because I was like, Veronica, like five minutes ago, you said you were going to get your mom out of jail. And now she's like actually getting her mom out of jail. And I'm like, this isn't the first time, like, this isn't the first time Riverdale has had plot inconsistencies. And I'm like, sure, okay, fine, whatever. Because this time it's like working out in the direction that I want it to because mm -hmm. I want her Veronica to save her mom and like I want them to get back to the relationship they had in season one which I thought was like really great and was like a, a good pull for me um joining the show but I don't, it's just it's just messy you're reminding me of something actually because I do believe that when they were explaining who shot Hiram obviously they couldn't have it BFP so I'm kind of remembering them being like oh my gosh, Tallboy wasn't dead. And it was Tallboy who did it. Mm. So like, but I, but FP is for sure lying on the stand. 100%. Because <laughs> like, he wasn't the one who shot Tallboy. Yeah. Fangs was. And like, so then is that when he went to sh search his apartment? And like, why does he have an apartment if everyone thinks he's a dead man? Like, it yeah. still doesn't really work out. Even if they did think that Tallboy was alive and FP was the sheriff at the time. Do you think we're as confused as the writers are? I don't know. I can't remember who said this, but a long time ago I heard a joke about Riverdale that each episode is written by someone who's only seen the episode right before it. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's true. Kind of. Wait, that makes perfect sense. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so Pop says that he doesn't regret helping Veronica, but he will not go on the stand and, and commit perjury, which I respect. And of course, Veronica does also. Yeah. So Veronica goes to see Hiram and basically Hiram says, you're the one who freaking looped Pop into this. I never did it, but yeah. now you have to deal with the consequences. And that's basically the whole thing we get from that scene. Yeah. Then she goes and she's always talking with the federal prosecutor. So is this at the federal level or the state level? Federal. It is. But then... Hermione to be pardoned needs to be pardoned at the state level. Yes. Does that make sense, or is it just because we can use Governor Dooley? Like, oh, or because or, they could, they had someone they could manipulate. Or like, does that make sense law wise? My like, thing usually. is, I don't know anything about law, mm -hmm. so I don't know. 
Okay, well, it makes more sense than I thought it did, so we're good. Why? Okay, so Veronica is like, please don't ask me to ask Pop to commit perjury. And it's like, why would you ask? Why would the federal prosecutor ask you to do that? Like, mm-hmm. like, aren't they not? They what? Anyway, I don't know why. Okay, yeah, and then Veronica's like, "Here's what we'll do." I and thought she's like, "Okay," I'm like, "Why are you taking the advice of a child?" I thought the pro- that Veronica was asking the prosecutor just not to put Pop on the stand. Yeah, that's what I understood sure. as well. Okay, I, I didn't think they were. I I don't know because sure. like I don't think that because like I I thought the prosecutor needed Pop to testify, but the. Okay, this is the. I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna be super honest with you guys. I can't keep track of any part of this case. I don't know if it's because I'm dumb or because I'm not really paying attention because I don't care. But I can't keep track of it, and I've kind of given up trying. I think this show got so twisted into knots over this one storyline that none of it really fits together anymore. There's too many details, and I'm and they're like, that no one else remembers. Exactly. My, yeah, that's my thing. I'm supposed to remember these things, and I don't. Like Robin is the continuity keeper of a lot of TV shows, and if Robin can't figure it out, we're all doomed. Yeah. Help me. So, like, I don't understand if it's a federal prosecutor. I, I don't get any of this. Keeper of the keys and grounds at Hogwarts. So, Hermione says that the cabin documents must have been forged. So, I assume, like, Hermosa did that, maybe? Yeah. It seemed like Probably. she was, like, happy when it was set. Like, when FP was like, oh, Hermione Lodge! She, like, smiled or whatever. Probably. Hermi- sure. Hermione herself has done a lot of forgery. Just wanted to point that out. Agree. I mean, it's almost like they both belong in jail. So it seems like she has now admitted to Mary and Veronica, at least, that she has killed Manetta. Like, Mary says there's, like, now we're getting into, like, crimes that they don't even know about. Yep. That we don't need to bring up. Like, why don't you just plead guilty, you know? So Hermione has admitted to Mary and Veronica that she has now killed a man. And Veronica's like, we still gotta get you out (laughs) out of this. If, like, I love my mom, but if she had been like, I've killed a man and I don't regret it, I'd be like, mom, uh, enjoy jail. Yeah, sorry, um, oh my god. You know? Yeah. 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 I'd be like, uh, like, what if you both just rotted there and I lived my life free of all of your drama? Yeah. Yep. So then she's like, what if we could find somebody who could wave a magic wand and then, like, save every- I'm like, the the system is broken. This should not be allowed. Oh, yeah. Oh, fully. Just, like, just the system in our current world, America, Canada, any of those, they're all broken. They're they're all meant to benefit rich people. Crime is legal for the rich. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, once again, they're going to bring up Governor Dooley, and at this point, I'm just like, shut up about Governor Dooley. Like, the fact that Veronica's like, this is for the last time, I'm like, great. Send him off into the sunset. I don't. I don't <laughs> care about Governor Dooley anymore. It's I'm not so be for the last tired time of him. I, I don't want any more political stuff, and I'm getting more political stuff. No, the thing is, I like the political stuff. They just never do it in an interesting way, right? Like I love political talking politics and like political like stories. I wish this show knew how to do it. Governor Dooley thought that the FBI asked him to have a meeting in Veronica's speakeasy. Like, literally, <laughs> she, he walked up and he was like, I thought I was meeting, what, the FBI? I'm like, something. you are a, a member man. of the government <laughs> a in a man. underage teenager's speakeasy in the basement of a chocolate shop, and you think the <laughs> FBI wants to meet him? You don't think you're about to get bribed? That one's on you. Yeah. Um, my next note was, listen, bro, if you don't do shady things, people won't blackmail you. Oops. She's literally blackmailing him with things that he, like said he would do. I mean, he deserves for it. His, for her parents. He right. deserves it. Like the, the, um, not the outbreak, the, the opposite of the outbreak. The, the whole quarantine thing that went nowhere, like that was all Governor Dooley. Like, yeah, if she even mentioned the quarantine. Yeah. Like, if you don't do crime, you can't be, you don't have to you do can't crime. be blackmailed. Exactly. Yeah. Like, just do better. 
So what are the charges exactly? Is it just conspiracy to commit murder? That's what it seems like it is. I guess. Okay, I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, Veronica assumes that the patrons of her speakeasy don't know who she is. Like, she's literally like, like, Hermosa is like, hey, sounds like you got some good news. And she's like, yes, my mother's been away. And I'm like, this is supposed to be a small town. Everybody knows about your parents. She's like, yes, my mother's been away. And she's like, well, oh, she just like your father? Well, and Veronica's she... like, do I know you? <laughs> well, like, she yeah, doesn't recognize this person. So, I like, guess. oh, that's a good point. I guess, but, like. Like, this woman is clearly from out of town. She so, looks like she's out of town. She's so sophisticated. She looks like Ronnie more than she looks like anyone else in terms of, like, the pearls and the heels. And yeah. there's been lots of people coming in and out because of the trial. I guess so. But, like, all of those paparazzi were, like, going after her. And it's like, clear that her family is, like, pretty famous. So it's like, I don't know. Man, imagine, like, turning on the local news and it's all this. And then you turn on the, like, national news and it's still all this. Ugh, yeah. Oop. So she's a private investigator from Miami. And, like, as soon as you see the pearls, like... I almost Duh. wish, I almost wish that we weren't so plugged into the actual fandom and like all the casting announcements and everything. Like I said this last year yeah. when um, there was the whole Edgar Evernever reveal. And yeah. if I hadn't known that Chad Michael Murray was going to be here yeah. playing Edgar Evernever, I would have started freaking out. But I knew that Hermosa was coming, you know? I know that Jughead's gra- grandfather is coming. I know that Archie's uncle is coming. I know that, you know, I know these people are coming in. So, like, the reveal isn't as fun, which is too bad. But, like, I feel like if I hadn't known about Hermosa, seeing those pearls, I'd be like, wait a second. Yeah. Even before she said it. Yeah. Uh, how old is she? She's Hiram be in her at least late 20s by now. Hiram must have had her pretty early. He's been cheating on Hermione for a very long time. I think he's and been cheating on Hermione since day one. Yeah. Yeah. Because they got together in, hi- oh. in high school. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's been cheating on her since high school. And like has kept this from her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Hermione knew she existed. Oh. Probably. Yeah. Interesting. He probably like. Yeah. And he'll probably blame Hermione for him not ho- knowing her too. Just you watch. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. Isn't he just an abuser like that? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't think that he doesn't know this kid. But that she didn't live with them. Mm, maybe, I guess. But, like, you mean he, they're, they're very clearly close. Like, we'll see. She's right. got even more daddy's girl energy than Veronica. True, right. Interesting. Like, I wonder if... Oh, like, she was f***ing spoiled. This remi- I was like, okay. we've talked about something similar on the Lost podcast. So we have a character called Locke. His name is John Locke. I've talked about him before on this podcast, almost certainly. But he... He's never known his father. And so when he finally meets his father, even when his father basically just like shoves his face into the ground and is like the worst possible human being to him, he goes back back to him every single time because he needs validation from this man who will never give him validation because he's a horrible, horrible person. And so I'm wondering if she has a similar story where she's like, I I never really know him, but every time he needs me, I'm able to come in and I... fix things which is what she said and so so he's like come like be on my arm and everything and of course she's like of course because I've always wanted validation from this man you know I I wonder like PSA if your parents treat you like dirt and abuse you you don't have to forgive them just because they're your parents exactly I mean we're gonna talk about that with FP I don't hang out with my dad and that's because he's crappy and you know what I feel about that nothing I feel no guilt yeah I feel great (laughs) But I obviously, we, I don't really like her right now because she's on Hiram's side. She's doing garbage things for Hiram, but I'm ready to forgive her. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. She hasn't done anything that I mean, bad it yet. feels like this show is finally understanding the psychological impact of the weird soap opera twist they've been throwing yeah. in. So, like, hopefully they'll be, like, exploring, like, how manipulative and abusive Hiram is to all the women around him. Yep. 
I like that it was implied that Alice thought that Hermosa could have been Hiram's girlfriend. Yes. Alice in all of these scenes was just like, hi, I'm here to serve a lot of attitude. And I was well, like, when, all right. She's like, do you want to explain your connection with this woman here finish, today? Like, finish my sentence for me. She's so happy to be back doing her job. Oh, I don't stand. And her face when he was like, daughter. She was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, all right like, then. I'm going to go talk to FP about this later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a... Uh, this is gonna be some good gossip for Lee. She's gonna walk in and be like, honey, I have tea. And he's gonna be like, <laughs> me too! It's crazy! <laughs> Do you think they drove to the courthouse together, you guys? FP and Alice? Yeah. Sure. Well, of course. <laughs> why take an extra vehicle from the same place? Exactly. Hey, Hiram, if you wanted to be mayor, why did you have Hermione run when she was running for mayor? I think because he wasn't trusted enough at the time. Also, Remember? Hermione was a garbage mayor. Like, in what world, and I know that they absolutely will, but in what world would the people of Riverdale be like, I'm going to vote for Hiram now, even though Hermione was garbage. And that, remember that time he um tried to have her killed at, during the campaign? Remember that time that he, like, tried to kill Archie? <sighs> okay, screw this whole plotline, screw all of this. The actual important question of going forward is, who's going to run against Hiram? Yeah. Uh, my sister is actually here, and she had a thought about this. Would you like to speak? My my whole thought was, like, do you think one of the kids or one of the other adults would run against yeah. him? Because that would be another storyline. Because I don't think... Because it would just be crappy if, like, no one ran against him or it was rigged, and then Hiram is automatically mayor, and then they're like, oh, well, Riverdale is... Exactly. You know, well, go to I would like to see Archie do it. I, I was thinking okay, that as well. Thing, but I don't... But I also, like... There's two parts of me because there's one side that's like Archie should do it because his dad wanted to be mayor and he could like fulfill his dad's legacy. But I'm also like, I'm so good at it. I know, but I also like, I don't want it to be Archie versus Hiram again. Oh, right. I forgot about that. You know? So it's like, there's two, like, if they did did it right, I would be happy, but I don't know if they will. Okay, so what of Mary? (gasps) Oh. Mary could 100% not only run against Hiram, but freaking Win. We already know that a lawyer has been mayor successfully in Riverdale. Exactly. At Sierra, where are you? I would like to see it. Yeah. Okay, yes. So you could either, like, if we're talking about adults, like, people's possibilities, FP can't be mayor. He was mm-hmm. in a freaking gang. Yeah, and he's also the sheriff. He's Alice guilty. could do it, even though she's committed to murders. Yeah, like, I, I just, yeah, I just don't think she would want to. Yeah, I right. think Alice is happy being a journalist because exactly. she gets to expose it's what she's mayor. always wanted to exactly. do. Yeah. She's so happy, you can yeah. tell. Yeah, um, so I think if you're going to go for realistic options, it would be maybe Tom. But I don't know if that's Tom's jam. He hasn't especially, really been around enough. Especially, like, when Fred was going to run, like, Sierra was specifically like, hey, Fred, it kind of sucks. Maybe you probably don't want to do that, exactly. right? So, like, why? So she she would probably say the same thing to her actual husband. Okay, so then of the adults left, you have Penelope, murderer, Hal, Dead, we hope. Marty Mantle should do it. Marty Mantle, <laughs> but he's abusive. <laughs> it has to be Mary because they said that they were keeping Molly Ringwald around for a while. Yep. Or what they could do is just like make Mr. Honey worse and worse and worse, and then make him the mayor because Weatherby's coming back. That's possible. Or also, if what? you were looking for alternatives to Hiram, Archie's dog. Anyone Vegas. <laughs> Literally, a dog has been mayor of some small towns. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't it be this town? Make Vegas it this town. It. Yeah. <laughs> Make dogs mayors again. Okay. It's the only vaguely Trump thing I will go near as a joke in this MD, episode. MDMA. I hate that. MDMA. <laughs> Make, dogs. Drug. Make, make dogs. Make dogs.
dogs mayors Man, again. That's a straight up drug. <laughs> Make dogs mayors again. I was just trying to roast Trump, and instead I get this. MDMA. Make dogs mayors again. Okay. Yes, Callie. <laughs> um, do you think Stonewall is ever going to cross paths with Riverdale? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're at Jug- Jughead's there. But that's probably, we'll probably talk about that in the Jughead storyline. No, I'm just talking about how, like, Brett... Right, Brett. Mm-hmm. I would Brent like is another yeah. like crappy oh. person. What <gasps> if he would somehow you know like or his diplomat father? Ew, yeah, please. How, we still don't know how Riverdale. far away. No, guys, please picture this: Cheryl versus Brett. Yes, that man would. Oh, that man would not. Have she would a, eviscerate. He him. would have no limbs left. <laughs> she would eviscerate him. Where is it? He would have no hair on his head. She would scalp him bald. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. I would like to see it. Let me just say, wig. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wig. Should we move on? Um, can I pee first? I really. I was gonna pee, pee too. Oh my god, team pee! Um, what? Hey, Robin. Yes. Can you tell me what Patreon is? Sure. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators, and uh, we actually have a Patreon. We do? Yeah. See, the problem is that, like, we have a lot of expenses, especially, like, we have to pay for SoundCloud Pro on, like, all of our different feeds, and we have a bunch of them. We have a lot of those. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to pay for, and so we ask for people to donate to our Patreon, and actually, the smallest one is only a dollar a month. Oh my god, that's actually, like, cheap AF. Yeah, it's really great. That's Um, one item at a dollar store. Exactly, and you know what? We we would love if you guys would donate more than a dollar a month, but a dollar a month is the smallest one that you can do. So if you're uh if you're a little uh tight on cash, tight on cash, it's only a dollar. That's it. Wow, that's quite a bargain. Yeah. And like, what do I get if I donate though? Sure. So you get every podcast at least one day early. Oh, that's convenient. Sometimes I finish the lost ones extra early, and sometimes you can get them like up to a week early. I mean, I did so... see that that actually happened this week. Oh, uh, well, it was only up two days early that time. But that's more than a day. That's definitely true. But yeah, and another thing is if you become a patron before November 16th, which is heckin' coming up, um, you will get a personalized postcard. We'll ask you for your address and we won't do anything creepy with it promise and we'll just send you a piece of mail we're just gonna send you a piece of mail and it says like a little personalized little message on the back of it and uh, we usually have extras so it'll probably go until the end of the year so if you're listening to this a little bit late you can uh do that and as long as it's before the end of 2019 we'll probably send you a postcard and if you don't want to use patreon just hit uh, any of us up on twitter and um we can figure out like a one-time donation if that's what you're into as long as it's over five dollars canadian we will accept your one-time donation and we will send you a postcard yeah, so, we got paper. Yeah, we have to pay for. We got to pay for something, you know. Uh, so my yeah. stamp. Normally, I would be like, yeah, it doesn't matter, except that freaking postage in Canada is an arm and a goddamn leg. Yeah. So, um, we really appreciate your guys' help on Patreon. Our Patreon is Patreon.com/slash/theofficialhouse, and you can find it in the description. If you're lazy, you can just click on that little link there. Hey, good to know. Thanks so much. I am lazy. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) I'm also lazy. So now we're going to talk about Betty. And Sam did the Betty summary. So she's going to do that now. I'm ready to find out about Betty. Ready for the Bettys. Ready for the Betty. Ready for the Betty. Ready for the Betty. Ooh, what a jaunty jingle. Yes, it's from Phineas and Ferb. (laughs) I did not know (laughs) that. Yes. 
Would you like to hear about Betty? I want yes, to. I'm prepared. Uh, Betty has social anxiety, so she gets her best gay pal, Kevin, to join her for her junior FBI training. In their very first session, Betty is immediately triggered over her serial killer genes. Since she's got a mystery-solving instinct along with those genes, she thinks she's predisposed to being a serial killer, too. Especially when her big bro points out that apparently murder is genetic because science. Plot devices are stupid. <laughs> uh, Betty goes to the doctor to confirm what Alice told her at the farm. Dr. Patel says... Congrats, Betty, you could be a serial killer because you have the genes. But you're she- not because you don't kill people. <laughs> right. She lies to Kevin and says uh, she doesn't have them. With this in mind, Betty starts to see coincidences everywhere. She flashes back to being tortured at the farm where her drug-induced self told her that she drowned her childhood cat. A thing that all serial killers do. Uh, next, she has a dream about smashing Caramel's head with the rock. Because uh, Betty thinks that she's a psychopath. Betty spirals over her next over her old diaries, even though keeping diaries is a perfectly normal thing to do. <laughs> not all bujo addicts are murderers, Betty. <laughs> I think I certainly hope not. <laughs> Betty decides to come clean with Kevin. She tells him that she does have the genes. And I think we're supposed to assume that what Betty really found in her diaries is the true story of what happened to Caramel. Essentially, Betty was being groomed by her serial killer father, Hal, because he's the absolute worst. Um, Carmel was hit by a car instead of, and instead of being a good father and taking the cat to the vet to be euthanized or taking care of the problem himself, he forces Betty to brutally kill her cat with a rock and teach her a lesson about murder and responsibility. Betty was abused. Uh, Betty, please go to therapy. Kevin thinks they should drop. <laughs> Kevin thinks it in there. Yeah. Betty, please go to therapy. Kevin thinks they should drop out of Betty's hot half-brother's FBI class. Uh, Betty goes to tell Charles that she's dropping out and... He tries to convince her to stay by telling her that he also has the genes. Where the heck did he get those? He tells her that... (laughs) Valley Village. (laughs) He tells her that she can use the training to keep the darkness in check just like he did. Now Betty thinks that Charles is a serial killer because maybe she's... uh, Maybe she is a psychopath. Um, She decides to investigate him like a clown. Flash forward, Betty gets arrested. Yeah. So... For murder. (laughs) Oh, this this whole plot is such a mess. I have been really enjoying Betty so far, and now I'm like, oh no! <laughs> I like, really? I think they heard us yeah. say, oh my god, we're loving Betty's story this so much, and then they were like, would mind if I ruin it? <laughs> like, push this glass off a table? Like, okay. caramel, like caramel, like caramel. So I think before we like get into the nitty gritty, I'd love to talk about this group of genes which is entitled the yes, serial killer sure, we talked sure, a little sure. bit about this today like we were trying to work it out early did i just sound super canadian yeah today. oh yeah we were talking about it today so um i believe that i did talk a little bit about this at the end of season three when this was kind of being brought up um yes. but basically what i remember from doing my research and i think you guys did a little bit more research so you guys can speak a little bit more about that mm-hmm. but what i remember from my research at the end of season three was basically that like there is something called the the serial killer genes and i believe like the titles that they give them are correct but it's like yes a bunch of serial killers do have these genes but the amount of people that do have the genes that aren't serial killers is also large and like the amount of serial killers that don't have the serial killer genes is also large so really it doesn't really have anything to do with anything I don't think I think like there's a correlation but there's no causation do you know what I mean right like you can't assume just because like there's the numbers aren't high enough to assume that having these genes makes you a serial killer exactly and that's what was upsetting to us was that like as an FBI agent Right. Like, y'all should know this. It's extremely irresponsible of Charles to use that as a 
as a teaching point in school because that it does exactly what it it does exactly what you fear when you give a diagnosis about something. So like I I work for a healthcare nonprofit and there's a whole bunch of like rules and regulations about how you can give results back about like genes or mutations or certain things that people have because of the way that people react to that information. Um, So it's really irresponsible of Charles to use that as a teaching point because it does exactly what the worst option is, which is to make Betty spiral and think she's like a serial killer Mm -hmm. because she has these genes. It also causes like professional bias. Right. Like if, if you learn that's like you know, someone that is a suspect, but not necessarily the suspect has this, maybe you're going to be more inclined to investigate that one. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But what if they are not the one? Mm -hmm. And you've chosen this person because of this specific gene. And in reality, the actual freaking murderer is getting away with it. Right. Doesn't have the gene. I agree. And I also think that if Charles does also have this gene, which we will talk about later, doesn't really make a a whole lot of sense. But either way, if he does, and he also knows that Betty is not only related to him, but also the father that they don't share was a serial killer, he could probably infer that potentially she does have these genes. And it's really, really scary and rude of him to talk about serial killer genes as if it's like the end all be all in front of somebody who you could do an educated guess and assume that they could potentially have these genes. Well, I think- Or like like anyone in this class could have, ha- could have yeah. these genes. And yeah. like, yeah. It, it's just, it, it's not, it's also just stupid of him to do that because like, it, it's not a science that a real FBI agent would like well, base any, yeah. any truth in. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like the shame that we have here. And like, you know someone who like, tried out for that so maybe you could like ask around but like I would love to know whether or not that is actually part of FBI training or is this just kind of like another Riverdale universe like little thing I think so which I that's what I suspect but I'd love to know because it it's so foolish that he would use this in any way that I have to think that it is it's purely a plot device because like if he was actually teaching this class that would not be a point yeah, and one of the other things that we discovered when we were researching this gene is that it almost exclusively is only found in men, and the only way that it plays a role is if they have trauma in their childhoods. Mm. Like, that's that's really how all serial killers have been profiled, is with those two specific things. So, like, the fact that Betty has it is already an extraordinary thing, but other than the caramel thing, she had a charmed childhood mm-hmm. she never had any trauma so she's well okay that we know of how sucks yeah it seems like she's been repressing some stuff i mean for sure for sure for sure but i think some of the i mean listen the reality is they're not going to make betty a serial killer mm-hmm. right. you know it's betty cooper from the archie comics they're trying to get us to believe that she's killing jughead though yeah so <laughs> i'm like okay like this is intriguing but knowing that they're never gonna pardon the use of the phrase but they're never gonna you know pull the gun on that one like there's not much more we can do for it mm-hmm. cool so let's go into uh some more detail here my first question was why ask kevin of all people but i think it's just because casey kevin needed something it. to do yeah you know and kevin needs it too like he needs a freaking hobby yeah exactly well and betty and kevin were always like good pals yeah so it makes sense I mean, yeah, like, he was in the ROTC, but it didn't seem like he did that because he wanted to. And also, like, I don't know. The people, like, that Kevin hangs out with, 
aka like bangs and stuff, like went to the farm. Mm-hmm. And Jughead is at Stonewall, so like they basically only have each other right now. Yeah, that's true. Because like Archie is busy like being a full time dad now, and oh. Ronnie is busy being like a mob boss's daughter. So. I guess he said that he all the only plans he has is to cruise bathrooms at Sheds and Royal. Is Sheds and Royal a Tucci type thing? Tucci? Like, is it a spoof name? Oh, um, because it because the way he said it sounded like it could have been, but I don't know anything about that. I don't. Either. I don't know. Okay. The damn shame is that if they had done like something like like cheeseburger um, Stacy's, I would have lost my mind. Yeah. As a younger Marys, he says, "Oh, by the way, is your half brother gay or straight, Kevin?" Uh, you have done this before, like, the I think it was, like, the pilot where we were like, we want to like Kevin, but he's being really weird about this. Kevin, there are more options than just gay or straight. Yeah. Like, there's more. I mean, isn't it always the way that, like, a white gay dude always forgets that there's people other than him? Yeah. Whoop. So, he doesn't just have to be gay or straight. There are things in the middle and there are things off yonder in different, on different uh, scales as well. It's all a whole spectrum. Yeah. So why are they asking this? Like they bring it up twice in the episode. Why are they at, why are they asking this? Is there something we need to know? What did they bring up? Whether, whether or not he was gay. Whether he's queer. I would love if he's queer. Uh next episode we get Chick. Is Chick gonna be like, okay, fine, we weren't just roommates. We were lovers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. And they were roommates. And they were roommates. Stop, I would love that. Guys, <laughs> guys, I would love that. <laughs> guys. <laughs> Stop. Not Chick. No, but just, like, in general, like, I'm ready for more queer characters because Riverdale's yeah. already full of them. So I'm like, yes, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. Until we get some that aren't crazy. Yeah, I... Tony. That's yeah. true, but she's, she's being complacent so in a lot of things right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. And she did join the farm. Yeah, I... I'm very interested in this new chick thing. Like, after seeing him in the trailer, I literally jumped up in excitement because I love Hart Denton so much. He does such good work. Uh, she was thrilled, you guys. I... If I, uh, yeah, I just love Chick. He, he's great. I mean, he's great in that he's like a good villain. He's such a creep. Yeah. Like, Hart Denton is a great actor. Yeah. He's so creepy yeah. and like, oh, and it's just, it's so good because then you see him on like Instagram and he's such a nice guy. Yeah. So basically, Betty's just intuitive. I mean, I just think she's good at guessing. Oh, Sam had a theory about this that Betty is like can read micro expressions. Yeah. I mean, I just figured Betty has done enough like mystery solving on her own and has been like enough of a Nancy Drew aficionado and like has studied people that lie a lot. Mm-hmm. So I felt like she just because she was reading the micro expressions of the people in these mugshots doesn't make her a serial killer. Right. And then of course my argument is that you can only read micro expressions when a face is moving. But I think that might be wrong because I'm just now remembering certain scenes in Lie to Me. I loved that show. It deserved better. It was a good show. I did not watch it. It's very <laughs> enjoyable. Okay. The part that I think is so funny is that, like, Charles is literally, like, out here trying to teach. And Betty's, like, the middle one. The one on the left. Imagine I'm like, to learn. I know. Like, they literally, like, they have that shot of those two guys who are, like, looking back. And, like, I think it's supposed to read as, like, oh, my gosh, why does she know so much about serial killers? But if that was me, I'd be, like, shut up. Shut up. I'm trying. Like, <laughs> what the heck? Like, she's, like, his voice fades out, right? So for it's, like, she's just For speaking. us. Yeah, for us. But, like, she's literally interrupting him. Right. Which I think is ridiculous. Like, she doesn't even raise her hand. Betty, who raised you? Imagine, like, actually being in that class and she, like, starts, like, like guessing all of these things. You'd be like... Oh, no, they do show a shot of two other kids who were in the class. Yeah. And, like, she gets it right again. And they're like, 
can you shut up? Yeah. Um, why would they teach about this gene in this course? I think we already discussed that. Um, we finally get Dr. Patel. Uh, they brought up Dr. Patel at the beginning of last season and we did all that research on him. And, uh, I was like, I was like, it's weird that in the comics, he wasn't a psychiatrist. He was just a regular doctor. And guess what? He is just a regular doctor. Well, I mean, Betty did lie about Dr. Patel in the first place. So, I mean, that makes sense. Like, maybe he is a psychiatrist also because, like, they talk about, I mean, like, she needs to go to therapy. And she was going to go to therapy and she think, was talking about Dr. Patel. I don't think you can be a GP and a psychologist yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like one MD does not transfer over to something else. Right. So why lie to Kevin at the beginning there when he says that she has the gene and then she tells Kevin that she doesn't have the gene? I think she wasn't ready well, she to want, think about it yet. She mm-hmm. just wants him to like not worry. Yeah. So she learns that she killed Caramel with a rock. She didn't even drown her. But. <laughs> yeah. But the, but But Polly's the one who said that she drowned Caramel. So like, oh right. I wonder if Polly was just like making up a really messed up Pol- messed up way to kill Caramel. Polly was also probably misremembering because she wasn't involved. Um, also and also, also it's Polly, and she lies. Yeah. And also, there was just a lot of there was a, a general theme of drowning surrounding the farm. Mm-hmm. Oh right. Uh, so I'm still mad at you, Polly. Mm-hmm. No, I'm so I'm done with Polly. So Betty does diaries, which is a normal thing to do. So. uh chill out betty kate literally when we were watching the episode and they're like they tend to write down their stuff i'm like the next scene is gonna be her going through her diary yep and then lo and behold i'm like we all have diaries you're not special yeah right um i liked the moment where betty was like do you remember my cat and kevin was like yes because they've been friends for such a long time he like remembers the cat which i think was really cool i think it's really cute i would love to see like little archie like you know like the little archie comics like now we've had tiny little betty and we've had like flashbacks to betty and polly like before yep i would love to see like little archie (laughs) <laughs> and and uh and such yep uh so hal asks betty to kill caramel because hal sucks forces yeah right exactly mm. kevin's right about withdrawing from the thing like yeah, yeah i'm back on kevin's side <laughs> right like if this is triggering Wait, you this much you shouldn't do it i also if i was kevin i'd also be like why am i going to extra school that i don't need to go to <laughs> <laughs> and i would also kind of like if i were kevin i'd be like maybe you need to talk to your brother yeah Right, exactly. Like, talk to him. Like, she's like, okay, so she goes to talk to Charles, and she's like, I have to leave because I'm taking Kevin's advice, and I have the genes, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. And and Charles says, I also have the genes. That doesn't make it better. How? No, but how? Okay, like, so- she got it from Hal, and he, Hal is not- Charles's father? Well, we're assuming that she got it from Hal. People can also be carriers of genes and not, right. like, have the full mutation or whatever. Yeah. Wait, did Hal have that gene? I thought that's what they had said. It's heavily implied. Yeah. Like, if not said out loud, it's implied for sure. Right. So... Alice and FP could be carriers or like it could be a recessive gene that like one of their grandparents had. Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting though, because like Chick had been like, do you have a darkness? And Betty's like, I also have a darkness. And she and Chick had been like, we have a darkness. And And now now Charles Charles is like, like, I also control the darkness. And it's so have a darkness. All y'all like go to therapy. I have scars, crescent moons on my palms. My whole, like, stress thing is, like, are they trying to imply that Charles isn't FPs? No. I hope not. Because, like, no. I am so done with being, like, teased with, is it Charles, is it not? No, like, it's... Let this be Charles. It's gotta be Charles. This is Charles. He's FP's kid. It's just... 
it's just dumb. Okay. So now Betty's like, I have the serial killer gene. I'm not a serial killer, but I'm worried that I'm going to be a serial killer. And Charles is like, I have the serial killer gene, but I'm not a serial killer because I have learned to be a good person and do what I need to do. And Betty's like, are you a serial killer? Right? My, like, she's like, I've never seen him in public. He only goes to Pops and my house and the FBI office. And that's it. Betty, he's new to the town and he doesn't know anyone. Maybe he's an introvert. I don't go anywhere except for work and my house and the grocery store. Those are the only places I go because I don't like going places. Right. Hey, hey, just refresh my memory. Have you killed anyone lately? No. But I don't know if I have the gene or not, so maybe (laughs) not. Okay. But, like, then she's, like, then Kevin, who's, like, smart, is, like, well, isn't he, like, working on some cases for, like, with FP? And she goes, what cases? And I'm like, Betty, it's none of your business because you're not in the police. Right. You're not supposed to know these things. The problem is that she's like, I don't want to be in this program. And I'm like, I wanted you to be in this program, but I didn't want your plot line to be this annoying. Yeah. Right. Like, I thought she would, this would be something that she'd be really good at and that yeah. she would really enjoy. And this would be good for her because it's, like, a healthy outlet to... Like, as Charles is doing, like, manage those, like, dark... He's, like, a well-adjusted adult. Right. Like, these are... I guess if they have those, like, inclinations or whatever, this is a way to, like, healthily... Like, like people listening to true crime podcasts or stuff like that. Like, you can can think about this and... Or, like, watching horror movies. It's a controlled form of, like, managing that kind of anxiety. So I thought it would be really good for Betty, and it's just not... And she deeply needs therapy. I'm just, like, kind of upset because, like, she's like, can we trust, like, Jughead's like, can we trust Charles? And I'm like, yes, you can. I believe it. And Betty's like, yes, I do think we can trust Charles. And then at the end of last episode, they're like, can we trust Charles? Yes. And then we have a reason to not trust Charles. And now Betty's coming in here with, like, we can't trust Charles. And I'm like, I don't know, but I trust Charles. Right. I truly believe, like, he's doing what is best for her. Even if it is a little bit of a privacy problem, like, I think he's, you know, supposed to do that for the FBI. Like, I I think that he has good intentions. And now it's annoying that she's going to, like, push away another person in her family that wants to care for her. Right. Like, I hope that wherever this is going, it just leads to somewhere healthy because this is not healthy. Yeah. Hang on. I'm literally... Because the minute that they were like, well, it does this and this, and then we looked up, like, what this gene does, and Mm -hmm. it has to do with serotonin and dopamine, and I'm like, yes, what antidepressants treat? So I just went and looked, and you can have this whole thing treated with an antipsychotic. There you go. So you can function normally like a regular person with an antipsychotic. So go. So what's your freaking excuse for any of this? If you're worried that you have this thing, get tested, go to a psychiatrist, get on some antipsychotics or anything that treats it, live your life. Dr. Patel should have uh, suggested that. Yeah, he should have offered her like like alternatives and like solutions to existing. Yeah, I I agree. I just doubt that the Riverdale writers thought of that. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, so that's all I have for Betty. Same. Cool. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Robin. Can you tell me about TV Co.? Oh my god, it's this cool app where you can, like, stream live about your favorite TV shows or watch people stream live about your favorite TV shows. Uh Uh-huh. And wouldn't you know it, we have a partnership with them. Cool. Where every Tuesday, we rewatch last week's episode of Riverdale and sort of, like, live live have a discussion about it. Uh Uh-huh. And, um, so if you would like to join us, you can download the TV Co. app and look up the aficionados. And that, that's us. That's where we're broadcasting. You can also search Riverdale. You might find us that way, too. Yeah. And if you follow us, you'll start getting notifications as to when we start streaming, which is 7 p.m. PST, uh, Vancouver time. 
Uh, we would love to see you. Yeah, we're going to be talking fun. about this episode this coming Tuesday, which if you're listening to this the day it comes out is tomorrow um, at 7 p.m. PST. Uh, and then for our first hiatus week, we're going to be rewatching The Midnight Club. So oh, you're so going to want to be up on that. I'm ready. I'm ready. So now we're going to talk about Jughead, which is my personal favorite uh, part of the episode, and I wrote the summary for it. Mr. Chipping hands out the latest Baxter Brothers book to Jughead's class. Jug's really excited because he grew up reading the books and he really loves them. Brett is a major douche about it. Turns out that Mr. Chipping is the current ghostwriter for the book series, and Jug is so pumped. He searches the house for the books that FP gave him as a kid. Mr. Chipping introduces the original author of the books, Mr. DuPont, who is looking for the next writer. They're going to have a contest between the class. Jughead goes looking for more information on Mr. DuPont and finds that he actually went to school with Jug's grandfather, Forsyth I. When he asks Mr. DuPont about it, he tells Jug that his grandfather was a great writer and wonders how he's doing. Jughead's never met him, though. Mr. DuPont asks Jug to invite FP to Mr. Chipping's publication party because he'd love to meet Forsyth's son. Is this gay or just creepy? <clears throat> we don't know. I still think gay. Feels a little gay. Yeah. FP doesn't want to go to the party because his father was a bad man and he doesn't want to celebrate him, which is completely fair. At the party, they play a game of murder and Jughead is the murderer. He wins, but not without Brett throwing a tantrum about it. Mr. DuPont is sad to not see FP there and talks more about Forsyth the first. Brett antagonizes Jug by telling him that he's only here because he's a charity case. Jughead learns that all of the Baxter Brothers books that FP gave him as a kid were all from his grandfather and not from FP. Jughead starts going by Forsyth now because he's honoring a man that abused his father and grandmother. Jughead, are you okay? In the flash forward, Archie, Veronica, and Betty are charged with Jughead's murder. Okay, okay, okay. Him going by Forsyth is such an insult to FP. Totally. But, but, FP himself did say, yeah, well, it's my name too. Yeah. True. So it might be a reclamation of that name from his grandfather, except that he literally said. That's what I was going to say. It's like, <laughs> that, I would totally agree that, but he specifically says, it's for my grandfather. You don't know that man. You got one note from him. Right. You got one note. And you heard, like, I just, this is a very dangerous spiral for Jughead to be going down. And we're very clearly meant to, to know it's a very dangerous spiral. Yeah. Like. Which is nice. Yeah. Like, Riverdale is, like, clearly on FP's side about this. It's just, it's just frustrating to watch Juggy be like, oh, well, I got one nice note from a boy. And now, <laughs> boy, now I, I just have to be obsessed. Now I have no choice but to stand. I... I remember us watching and being like, what's FP's beef? Like, what's his deal? Why is he being so weird? And then as soon as he explains it, we're like, we are yeah. <laughs> Fully. Oh, I, I didn't feel like FP was being a jerk at all. I mean, he was being very flippant hostile, about it. Yeah. Yeah. it was, okay, yeah, he was being cagey. But, like, in the Midnight Club, he, he like, right. admits to being right. abused. Right. So, it's just like, uh, this man was an abuser. Can, can we not romanticize abusers? Thing? Right. Like, he's the reason why FP has the cast. Right. Right? He broke his arm. What's up with Ronnie and Jughead both taking their, like, abusive names? Yeah. They both done uh. it now. Oh, right. Right. She In the Luna same too. season. Uh. Exactly. In the same season, which means, like, it's a pattern. Yeah. So, Reggie, judgeduty.gif. <laughs> Yeah, Reggie, just go ahead and change your name to Marty. Um, okay, so Jughead says, same thing as when you drugged me, Donna. Why are you Why are you still friends with Donna when she drugged you? I don't know, but okay, go off. Yeah, th this is weird. Like, well, they seem, like, really friendly, too. Well, he's, like, in the club now. 
Yeah, she did yeah. say that that meant he was one of them, but I don't think Brett got that memo. Yeah, I just, I think, I just feel like the, like, when she drugged him, it was so... It was such a violation. It was so hostile, like, the way she even said it, like, set, like seemed malicious. Yeah. And I know that it was like, it's the Halloween episode, but, like, I don't know. I it agree. Was, it was really, ugh, when it happened. So if the Stonewall 4 is real, why is Chipping saying it isn't? We don't trust Chipping. I don't trust Chipping. Obviously. But um, he's like, oh, yeah, it's it's chill. But, like, now Jughead's going in there and actually seeing that there were are people who actually went missing, not just dropped out. Well, either Chipping doesn't know and there's nothing suspicious about him, or he was responsible for someone dropping out. Right. So Moose has been texting Donna. He's just chilling in basic training for the army. Um, but currently I don't believe Donna because I'm a little unsure about her so now so i'm not exactly sure how much i trust that even exactly so i don't know so we have we meet the baxter brothers um which are basically like they're supposed to be like parallel to the hardy boys the hardy boys right they're the hardy i was gonna ask they're the hardy boys and i was talking to sam about this actually i was saying like why if nancy drew does exist in this universe the hardy boys would probably exist in this universe so, like, how did the Baxter brothers come into this when the market for young boys who solve murders is, like, so saturated already? Copyright, probably. <laughs> I guess. It was because e- if they're going to integrate this so deeply into Jughead's storyline, they're going to need, like, constant permission to use names. They're going to need artwork, all of this stuff. It's just so much easier to invent something else. Yeah. Yeah, and I also said that um, Robin and I discussed this this morning um, when th- they needed to have someone something made up so that they could build the lore behind it exactly into stonewall yeah and i mean of course like for me this lore doesn't remind me so much of um the hardy boys or nancy drew as it does the sweet valley high series which used the same thing like a bunch of different authors but they all write as something pascal from what i remember what the the author the author yeah franklin p no the the oh. sweet valley high books oh the, Pascal something. Wait a second. Wait a second and a half. Which was already, we already talked about this season and also like had this ghostwriter thing going on. Yeah, Francine Pascal. There you go. See, I knew it was something similar to that because I was like, wait, is it also Francis? Because this guy's name is Francis. And then I was like, oh, but it was Francine. Aw. Kind of close though. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. Who knows? But Betty wouldn't shut the heck up about Nancy Drew, and now she's talking about Tracy True. Have they completely? Have they completely erased Nancy Drew? Even though she was so important in season two, probably that's so sad. Yeah, you kind of have to if that show exists on CW now. Yeah, and they might at some point like want to cross those shows over. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Who knows? Sure. My thing was like, she, she said Tracy True. And mm-hmm. I was like, first of all, the only name that is ever allowed to be Tracy and a T afterwards is Tracy, Tracy Turnblad. Thank you for reading my mind. <laughs> so they're talking about the secret of the old windmill, was the, which was the very first Baxter Brothers book. Yes. And I noticed that that is the book that Jughead reads the inscription from. Okay. At the end. And they talk about how like it's it came out like a decade ago or something, I think he said. A only decade? A, only How are those books that young? Well, like, if this guy... No, 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 no. Uh, Jughead says something to Chipping, and he's like, but these bookades... Book... Bookades. But these books have been coming out for decades. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. But The Secret of the Old Women came out, like, what, decades ago? Yeah. yeah. How is that possible? And then he says that... DuPont was the one who wrote The Secret of the Old Windmill. Right. So Jughead's grandpa knew DuPont 
When he was writing it. When he wrote it. And so that's the reason why he gave it to him, yeah. I guess. So what are the odds that Jughead's dad actually started the series? Oh, Jughead's you think he actually grandpa. started? Oh, I was thinking that he was like one of the ghostwriters. I didn't even think that he was the actual one. I thought that maybe he was the one who did it and the other guy took the credit. Exactly. Right. The other I, guy is secretly Brett. Right. We're on like a, we're on the same page as in like, he's one of the people who like wrote the book. Yeah. Right. But I think that, what's, what's his name? Who? The the man. DuPont? D- DuPont. I think he's probably Forsyth Sr.'s Brett. Or right. it's the other way around and Forsyth Sr. was his Brett. I don't or, know. I think he, I think he was in love. I think he was obsessed with him. That's possible. Because one of the things that me and Sam were going through when I was doing my notes today was like when we paused on the picture of both of them together, I was like, look who they cast as young Forsyth. That guy is like James Dean, bad boy. He's got like the flippy hair and everything. I was like, he like he's supposed to look charming, charming, yeah. super handsome, Tom Riddle type stuff. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like they were standing next to each other if there was like some sort of like weird thing going on there. Fair. I don't know. I'm really interested in this. This is Yeah, I didn't like this storyline until this theory popped up and now I'm like, <gasps> conspiracy. The gays. So anyway, like I was saying, The Secret of the Old Windmill was the very first one. And so he writes this inscription for Jughead, which Jughead did read out, but I will also read. I'm, all I'm of skipping us, to the back. I just want to say all of us yelled at the screen when Jughead was like trying to like, yeah. like sort of sketch out what he said. We're like, you're pressing too hard. That's not how you do it. You have to press really lightly. But um, what he did was he wrote Lil Forsyth Third. Happy birthday. Sorry, I'm not... Sorry, I'm not here to celebrate with you. Never let anyone tell you that you don't belong. Love, Grandpa. P.S. Trust few and never let them take anything from you. But if this book came out, like, a really long time ago, what a weird thing to write for a tyke. Right. Oh, yeah. It's like... Happy birthday to my three-year-old grandchild. It was like his birthday, and he's calling Lil Forsyth the third. It's like, and that's, so Jughead was named after him. And like, I love, one of my favorite moments in the episode was FP being like, I didn't name you after him. I named you after me, because <laughs> I'm dope. But like, the, but he named him Jughead after his dad had already left. Right. And so since he clearly knows that he was named Jughead, or his, he was named Forsyth, like, I think, like, his grandpa probably thinks that he was named after him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I hate. I mean, I kind of wonder if there's part of FP that maybe thought that. Yeah. But, you know, given FP's reaction, no. He, I think he reclaimed his own name. Yeah, totally. Which I think is really cool. But I also am just like, okay, so it's clear that he knows where they were living. Like, he sent these books, but FP doesn't know where he lives. Yeah, wait, there was no return address? You know what? FP knows where he lives. Right. FP knows. Or, I mean, or he just, there was no return address. Either that or, like, stuff without a return address. Like, at the end, Jughead says, do you want me to go searching for him? And he goes, no. So it's like, either he knows or he just doesn't, he's just not interested in... Like, why bring that trauma back? Knowing him. Yeah. Jughead doesn't understand how ghostwriters work, I guess. Uh, uh, This is the most I've hated Brett uh, all season since I've known him. Yeah. He just gets progressively um, more annoying and stupid and terrible. He gets super (sighs) more punchable each episode. He just, like, I don't know if he would do this for everybody, but, like, Jughead gets excited about these books that he's always loved, and Brett gives him, like, a a smirk and a, like, a... And a scoff, exactly. And I'm like, shut up. Yep. Just let people be happy and enjoy their lives. Yep. 
let people be excited about stuff. When you when you crap on someone else being excited, you don't understand the trauma that does to them. They will think about that and it will change the way they express themselves for the rest of their lives. What I loved is that like later when he meets Mr. DuPont, Jughead is not any less excited. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't like soften how he feels about it. Like he Which literally is God. like it means so much to me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, he wasn't discouraged by Brett's dumbass. I just, in that moment, like, the, even the camera angle was meant to be, like, so menacing on him. And I was like, I'm so glad that we are supposed to hate this man with our whole hearts. Yeah. Because I really do. Because I would, even if I wasn't supposed to. Right. So the new novel is called Ten Little Boy Scouts. Not all sure right. if we can sure. take anything from that, but I think it's important to note. The previous ghostwriters are all invited to his little, like, publication party, which, like, if I was joking, I'd be like... Yes! <laughs> I would go up to everybody and be like, which one did you write? Which one? Which one? Which one? I love that Let's one. compare. So we thought we had Jughead pinned down. We were like, where were those books if you burned your trailer down? And then I was doing my nose and he was like, I think I took them out before I burned the trailer. And I was like, And I was really? like, ah, man. You had time for that? I guess they did. They had it all night because they were also making out. Also, like, where did you put them? I don't know. Um... That's too complicated a question. Yeah, I don't know. So FP has ripped out the pages with the inscriptions on them. Yeah. But like, if it was like, I know it was the very first one. So like, maybe he didn't think to do it, but like rip out the one with the obvious indentations. Yeah. FP, true. <laughs> please. FP's not the brightest bulb. I think it was really nice of Jughead to tell Mr. DuPont how much the books meant to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I know that sometimes you're like, oh, should I do this? But when it's someone that impactful to you, and they're there specifically to talk about it, mm-hmm. that's an appropriate time to shoot your shot. Yeah. Oh, I was going to tell an anecdote about, like, that exact thing, which is I wrote an article about Will Smith getting a colonoscopy last night. That's a wild beginning to a story. Yeah. But after he was drugged up and he was finished and he was on an elevator, a fan stopped him and asked for a picture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you can see that this man is not well right now, but you're going to ask for a picture anyway. That's not an appropriate time to do something like no. that. But if this guy is there to talk about his work and you decide to tell him how much you like him, go for it. Yeah. Brett says, obviously I'm winning this. How embarrassing is it going to be when you fully don't? Yeah, it's going to be embarrassing and also beautiful. You can't be that cocky. It's awkward. And I mean, like, I think I love the commentary of this, which is like dudes like Brett slash like most white guys in power have that kind of like arrogance because they think they're so used to winning. If I was Donna, I'd be like, well, who won the last contest? Exactly. Right. Hmm? I want Donna to be in Donna to be like, be like, hey, sorry I drugged you. That was pretty crappy. Yeah. I, Riverdale's a wild show. Yeah. It, I don't know. I just am team team Jughead. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Brett's just annoying. Yeah. Like, this part is annoying, but then it's even more annoying when he, for, for me, it's even more annoying when they're playing the game and he's immediately like, and I liked how Jughead was like, you know what, Brett? Okay, you win. Congratulations. It's so, like, it's so demeaning. So he's like, I'm just going to throw you this one, bud, because I yeah. feel like you need it. It's yeah. like, so much work. It's so good. Brett just throws such a fit there. And I'm like, do you realize how stupid you look you right so now? so dumb. Like, oh my God. So oh, the great thing is he doesn't realize how stupid he looks. Yeah. And I love it. So his name is Francis DuPont, and this is when um, Jughead is going through, like, the yearbooks and stuff. It says that he was the captain of the fencing team and the treasurer of the literary society. So then he goes to this picture of the literary society at the time, and that's when I was talking about, like, getting that picture of Forsyth the First when he was younger. And one of the people in the literary society's name is Charles Chickens. 
stinks. I didn't hear. So when you were telling us that, I didn't hear the chickens part. I just heard inns and I was like, oh, it's a, like, it's a Dickens joke. That's funny. Charles Chickens? Yeah. This show is <laughs> art. I Like, no one else is allowed to dunk on this show, but like Riverdale fans, because that out of context is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's a very, um, I'm in the comics name, so I'm going to go ahead and look that up. Sure. Polly and Charles. Polly and Charles. Ah, alas. No Charles chickens. But uh, there was actually one woman in the uh, in the class. Her name was Jane. Shout out to her. She's a real one. Mm-hmm. So Forsyth, Forsyth dropped out after one semester, and yet he's still in the yearbook. Okay, sure. Uh, so then Jughead's like, oh, was he kicked out for fighting? Because DuPont says like he was a yeah. scrappy guy. And he's like, oh, I don't remember. Yes, you do. You, uh, yeah, you, you remember. remember. You remember. You probably... Oh... I bet I know what happened. Tell me! I bet that he basically blackmailed him into leaving by paying him a lump sum and saying, I can have the rights to the books. Right. Like, like he's like, oh, how's he doing? Is he still writing? Is he blah, blah, blah? Like, he's just like... Like, checking to see if he's still around. Yeah. Interesting. And he's like, I, like why, why does he want to meet FP so bad? If that's true, you know? Like, I, he is has... He trying to, hmm. Is he trying to get more... Material? Content? Yeah, like material. But he has ghostwriters. What would he need it for? Yeah. But like, like the, his, he's, his era but is like, done. To him, nothing compares to the original, right. I'm assuming. Right. Like he says, like, I couldn't believe that a teenager wrote it. Right. I mean, I would just love if somehow, like, this tied back to, like, he dropped out of school because he was basically, like, bribed into doing it. Right. Interesting. And by like, this you know, guy. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Let FP heal from his father's abuse, 2K, whatever this is. Yep. Anyway, I think that FP is correct. Yes. This. Leave FP alone. Absolutely. And also, I want a scene where FP and Alice discuss that trauma. I know we will literally never get yeah. it, but I want it. But I would like to see it. I would like to see it. Uh, so there's a tradition of the literary society where they play a game of murder, um, which is totally a theater game. So cool. I do have to say that not all literature is murder mysteries, though. Like, it seems like this whole show is about murder. Like, this whole class is about murder mysteries. And that's mm-hmm. not, you know. That might just be the um, topic of the semester, though. I guess. How does Mr. DuPont know that Jughead is the murderer? Like, he's just looking at him weird. So it's like, I can't tell if it's like a... He probably sees it. How? Because he he admits it when when Brett loses his shit. Yeah, but that's after he's like seen him winking, right? Right. But Mr. Dupont would just understand that Jughead was the murderer because Jughead goes, "I just killed you." Oh, sorry. I'm talking about right. the fact that like Jughead looks at his card and Mr. Dupont looks at him like, "Eh?" Oh, I missed that. I think Mr. Dupont made him the murderer probably but like how because it was like random they probably count he probably no, they probably counted the in cards. a certain amount and so he, they calculated who how many they would take to get to that he's card. like grooming him for something weird and i yeah. don't like it and it's working because he's going by foresight now yep 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 yep, yep. Oh, they, it does seem like they're grooming him but i do have to they're say all being groomed. it's disgusting i do have to say like jughead he, they have to do it in a specific way like they're doing it right right now like to actually get him to do it because jug isn't gonna want the writing job if he's getting it by special treatment exactly right he's not and, gonna want to be a brett he's gonna be no better than brett exactly and the thing that i really made me angry and like of course fp addressed it later but i just like want to say if you got in for any reason you're there. Mm-hmm. And I understand that, like, it sucks that we live in a society where we have to have special recruitment re- like that because things aren't equal. But if you're there, you're there. 
and you're, you deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, if you got in for any special kind of reason that isn't like your parents bought your way in, you're already above them. Yeah. Because their parents had to buy their way in. Mm -hmm. Don't beat Olivia Jade. So this guy really gives me I was in love with Forsyth 1 vibes, but now I like our thing better, but I'm also sad because I really liked the vibes that I, <laughs> I was getting. Vibes, vibes, um, vibes, 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 vibes. So vibes. he's like, okay, Brett, like, you can win. Like, congratulations. You killed me. Way to go. Mm -hmm. um, and he calls him preppy, which is Joaquin behavior. Big Joaquin behavior. And I'm sad. Um, so... <laughs> Brett is like, hey, you're a charity case and that's the only reason you're here and that's your past, present, and future. And I was like, the way that he said past, present, and future, I was like, sir, are you Voldemort? Yeah. Voldemort was after your time. Voldemort is my past, present, and future. He couldn't even make it a semester. That is your past, present, and future, Jughead. <laughs> it's like, hey, there's a no violence policy and so Jughead's like, guess I should go. And we got this weird Brett POV shot like, they never do weird POV shots like that, but it was literally, like, moving like he was getting up off the desk. And I thought that was really... It was an interesting camera choice. Director man. Yeah. Uh, so now he wants to leave Stonewall, and, like, FP's like, no, you're not doing that, which, of course, Jughead's like, okay, so what is it? I'm not named after him, you're named after me. Great. FP never graduated high school either. Can you be a sheriff without a diploma? Question mark? I guess so. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this inscription is inside the very first book. He's pressing too hard. We talked about this already. Um, what a weird thing to write in a book for a child. We also talked about that. Um, and the thing that they have to write about, because what they have to do is they have to write the first three chapters and an outline for the rest of the book for the contest. And the theme is the perfect murder. Yeah. So there's a lot of theories here. First of all, Monroe sitting with Reggie, which we talked about. They don't seem to be surprised to be charged with Jughead's murder. And it seems like if it's a plot and everybody's in on it, FP is in on it as well, potentially. Yeah. So I would like to read the tweet that we got from Mandy because she had some theories about this. So I asked her what her theories were. Uh, she's at Short Socklings on Twitter. She said, I don't even know, but that the teacher and the DuPont guy know. They are definitely in on whatever this trap is. Also for Jughead's death, it's most likely he fakes his death and mimics the story or we're just seeing the story and none of it actually happens. So you guys had like the theory that this was like research. Yeah, I theorized that he was researching his book, but I like even more that this theory that it's what we're seeing is happening, that what we're seeing is what he's writing. Right. Yeah. I like that even more. Yeah. I'm like always forgetting about the flash forward that we got at the beginning or at the very end of last season, which was like them all basically naked they're like throwing things into the fire including Jughead's hat and they're like we can't tell anybody or something like that it's like I mean of course it's not supposed to make sense yet but it really doesn't make sense yeah yeah they just don't look surprised to be charged like if you're if you're innocent you go oh, what if you're pretending to be innocent you go oh, what yeah and they literally just like stand there awkwardly yeah, and Monroe like, right. like checks out there's Archie. like there's like a, a deep zoom and I'm like guys hello yeah yeah but I do like the theory that this is, like, inside of the book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I thought that, like, if anybody was gonna kill Jughead, it was, like, Brett. Right. So, I don't know. I don't know. I like it. Um, I am still going with somehow this is a fake-out. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's for sure a fake-out. Whether it's, uh, Jughead faking his death for research or other unknown reasons, or whether this is a really cool way to loop in what's happening in his book. Yeah. I like it. Cool. I'm neutral on the whole Jughead storyline right now, so I don't know. So now it's time for segments. My first segment is asexual Jughead, question mark, question mark, question mark, and the answer is yes, it was yes, I don't care. T. Absolute T. 
And mine is which milk was the most badass. And uh, I'm going to give it to, I mean, Alice did some reporting. But Mary. Mary was, I'd say Mary. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like Mary did better legal work. Yeah. Yeah. Hermione was also here, but with Mary. Exactly. She yeah. just is, is like sad yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. So, Mary. Yeah. Um, am I stealing yours again? Yeah. Oh, lit. Um, mine was did Snake Parents acknowledge their obvious history? And the answer is not really, but I'm going to pretend that they did like their child face. is still around yeah their child is still here and um they probably drove together to the courthouse so exactly. yes yeah now it's time for our best line award my best line award goes to jughead for so this is what one percenters do for fun they play murder huh which actually reminds me of um something that trixie mattel once said when i saw her in oh my God. concert she said that white people make up their own problems for example puzzles and I, uh, the day that she said that, I um, I had bought a puzzle the day before. Oh, my God. And, uh, felt a little bad about it, so. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. So that's what it reminded me of. This this is going to seem really stupid, but you know the pause that Alice does when she's, like, trying to do the daughter thing? When uh-huh. she's interviewing. Oh. That's my favorite line of work goes to Alice for that beautiful moment. Okay. Yeah. And now that you've been vindicated of all your crimes, will you and your... Daughter. Be leaving Riverdale. My joke this season is that instead of like picking favorite lines, I'm picking background sounds that like helpful for me. I know that, but I think it's so funny. Like when Jughead poured the drink out, yeah, that was comedy gold. And my favorite line award goes to Archie for uh. And if you still want to shut us down, then go ahead and try. My mom is a very good lawyer. Or you can try the cops, and I'll call my best friend's dad, the sheriff of Riverdale. And uh, honorable mention for Monroe for. Keep the change. Now it's time for our trailer reaction. Can I tell you my favorite line? Sure. My favorite line would go to that girl for... Wicked Jones. <laughs> Wicked Jones. Three, two, one, play. Once the sun Next sets. Next yes! I, when Chick showed up, Robin screamed. I am um, both angry and here for whatever weird thing is happening between her room and Ryan. Okay, thank I don't like it, but I'll watch yeah. it. Like, I hate it, but also I'm interested. Yeah, like, I don't like it, but I'll watch it. I don't like it, and I won't watch Yes, I will. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to, but I don't want to. Yeah. Um, Archie is, once again, walking down the streets, but is an idiot and is wearing his Letterman jacket like he usually does in really bad situations. <laughs> Then Betty goes and talks to Chick in jail, and this was made specifically for me. Chris got phallus in that quiz. Oh! What the heck? There's a BuzzFeed quiz, and it's which ship are you, and we just assumed that you couldn't get FP and Alice because it's an adult ship, but not only can you, but our friend Chris got it, and I'm really jealous. I got bughead. Yeah. Where did she- did she tweet that? Yes. Wah! Well, what's the- she has to tell us what the little, uh- the little blurb was somebody asked her what her what she chose so that we anyway okay anyway so chick yay and so she's learning things about charles which betty why are you trusting chick more than you're trusting charles because betty always trusts the wrong people she always trusts people who murder other people hiram and hermione are doing some stuff even though she knows that he has a daughter with somebody else and he's been cheating on her for years and years and years no thanks right jason is still here and they've clearly they've like changed his outfit and everything which like and he's holding on to julian and he's got a little JB embroidered on his thing, which stands for Jonas Brothers. We all know Oh, it. of course. Then we have this weird, like, 
Is that is that the doll eyes? Yeah. It looks like Julian's eyes coming into like this weird security camera this footage. This doll is thing. so weird. And then we have Nana Rose, Clifford, Penelope, Jason, and the doll of Julian. I'm glad to see Penelope back because I love that crazy bitch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's fair. Uh, Jason is still wearing white. Always. It must be so easy to, like, it must be easy for the costume department to be like, oh man, what's Jason going to wear? You know? They always know. I just, I just love, like, I feel like Penelope is the most dramatic and of the villains we've mm-hmm. had so far. And yeah. like, she has the most flair. She's most creative. Yeah. And I, I'm here for it. Great. Uh, Cheryl is fainting. What else is new? Archie and Mary are in their house and somebody's like shooting through the windows, which I assume is going to be Dodger. How'd they find out it was Archie though? Right? Who knows? I guess, I mean, it's not a big leap though. Like even if they didn't find out it was Archie, like Archie's still like antagonizing them. Mm -hmm. So like, and then I guess something bad also happened at Stonewall. Jughead saying to call an ambulance. Yep. God, I miss the extended promos. I'm going to say it every single week. There was always so much more to parse How much content was in this? 15 seconds. More than 100. I guess that's true. Anyway. <sighs> Sigh. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please write us a review on iTunes. We like those. And we also have a survey. It's in the description. It's just perpetually open. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. Uh, we have, what, two, three seasons now? How many seasons have we covered? Three. Three. And we're going to be covering the final season. And then we're going to be go back and uh, do the first three. I Ah, the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a fan of Lost, you like talk about that show too. We are almost done season two of there. It's also uh, spoiler free. So if you're watching for the first time, you can chill with us. We would love to have you over there. We also do guests. So uh, yeah, we're releasing monthly over there. And if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we like to talk about that show too. We did sort of live reactions to season three post each episode. So it's spoiler free as you go along. And then we did a whole big long um, season one podcast. Yeah, coming 2020. Season two, which I'm really excited about because it's my favorite season of Stranger Things. I am thrilled because I love the Stranger Things podcast. I think it's my favorite. Wow. That's saying something. Considering it's the shortest. Um, It's also my favorite to, like, it's my favorite to guest on, Mm. especially. Also coming 2020. The Picard Show. We're we're doing a Picard podcast. Robin's never seen Star Trek and we've seen a lot of Star Trek. So this is going to be funny and I'm ready. And um, you should join us if you like Star Trek. Thanks. You can also join us every Tuesday on the TV Co. app at 7 p.m. PST. We do live streams of the previous week's episode. And uh, we're really excited to do that because it's lots of fun every week and we would love to have you. You don't even have to talk. You can just be there. Yeah. It's chill. You can follow <laughs> The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. Side of Tumblr for Robin's gifts. Please. Please help her. I post gifts. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because ah, it's expensive. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, and if you join before November 16th or before the end of the year, you get a personalized postcard. We would love to send one to you. And uh, if you can't afford to do things monthly, uh, you can hit me up and we will figure out a one-time donation of $5 or more Canadian. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Sam KCC uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-C. I need to change that because it's, it's not good. Okay. Uh, join us for next episode, which is episode 406. It's called Hereditary. Do not talk to me about that movie. Uh, it's my job. Hereditary is a is a <laughs> Hereditary is a 2018 American supernatural psychological horror drama film written and directed by Ari Aster in his feature di- directorial debut. It stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolf, 
Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne as a family haunted by a mysterious presence after the death of their secretive grandmother, and Brittany's not interested in talking about it, I guess, so It I, is messed me up. It is horrifying. It like, is, I will not watch it. It's so scary. It's like, in terms of, like, scariness, like, it's scary, but it's not too scary. It's just that it's psychologically damaging. Yeah. Like, I watched it, and the other night I was trying to fall asleep, and for some reason, the scenes from that movie were running through my head. I've never had a movie haunt me like Hereditary haunt me. So, would you say it has something to do with Cheryl? Is that, like, what's happening, or...? Not really. I mean, there's, like, a dead sibling involved, but other than that, like, it would have had more to do with last season, if anything, because there's also a cult element. Okay. So, I don't know. We'll see. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye.